1: Raging, Cajun Nation to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day
0: starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alloy! Ready! Who's your
2: team
0: right?
1: Oh! Oh! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ah! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rage and Review podcast, a special morning edition of the live show. This week, schedules got in the way of things, and you know, life is what it is, so we decided Wednesday morning will be the day. So welcome into the show. If you're still drinking your coffee, get another cup, hang out with us. Jerry, Nick, myself, ready to do this. Lots to talk about. Some shows just write themselves, as we said in the, pre, the pre-show meeting So today should be a lot of fun and uh, interesting. There's a lot to talk about around Cajun Nation. Boys, how are things?
3: Good. Good morning.
4: Good, man. A little under the weather. Um, Hard to believe that two years ago I would have been quarantined for a week because I have a little runny nose and a little shawls in my throat. But um, thankfully, (laughs) we're all past that and just allergies. So uh, you guys are okay. No mask required on the feed today.
1: I think uh, Nick may have uh, caught in the COVID from the parade. Uh, I got an injury from the parade you see here, you know, got hit in the face by a bead, you know, one of those oversized beads with the way too big medallion. Got a little injury here. So by the way, you know, shout
4: out to Chris, the cotton candy guy, who, who was uh, <laughs> selling, said selling the cotton candy on the parade route. That was unexpected, but, but happy to see him.
1: All the cornies from around that come in for Mardi Gras and everything. They decided to sign up last minute. We didn't get to, we didn't get to put that on the timeline. So sorry about that in, in advance. It wasn't something we could get out to you, but uh, Lots to talk about. Uh, first, before we go any further, and I forget, I want to give a shout out to Cajuns Golf, who now sits in solo second and three shots back at the uh, Sun Belt Championships uh, for the, for golf, and really led by two freshmen that are that are striping it right now. I wanted to give them a shout out. If you guys want to see them, you can see them on ESPN Plus. I think the guys tee off in about an hour and a half. Uh, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Maybe you guys can look that up as we go along. But they tee off shortly, uh, and is it still in Florida? Is it still in Florida, right?
4: Um, I don't. Th- Annandale? I think that's in Mississippi. I think it's oh, in it's Madison. in Mississippi
1: this year. Okay, yeah. my bad.
4: But so, I, before you go on, I want—I do want to give a shout out first to the team because they've been steady, right, through the whole tournament. Like they—they they held first. They're in second. Um, so, so great job there. But JD Byers does the the uh, the common. Terry for the uh, golf event, and I hate watching golf on TV or stream or whatever. But uh, JD does a, a bang up job. He he does a lot of stuff for the for the conference, and he's also the South Alabama guy. So um so credit to him. He he's doing a great job this week.
1: Friend of the pod and a true pro. Uh, he has the 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 TV. You know, there's few people that can cross over between radio and TV. JD does a really good job. I think he he calls the, especially the baseball games. I think that he he lays out enough when he's on the uh, on the air. Uh, for TV, and when he's on the radio, he he does a really good job of of And just a so, nice
4: dude, man.
1: Yeah, just a he nice guy. I think we've had him on twice, huh, Jerry? Yeah, he's he's uh. He's Jerry's a like on now. Jerry
4: needs more coffee.
1: <laughs> yeah, get a refill, Jerry. We got a lot to talk about. Uh also shout out to women's go- uh, tennis. Excuse me, women's tennis will uh, start their postseason bid at one thirty today. Uh, unfortunately, not on the plus, but you can watch their matches. On RagingCajuns.com, they'll have a feed up. I just learned that just a few minutes ago. Uh, Cajuns men's tennis has been in the SBC championships for the last four days, five days. Uh, unfortunately, doubles not going so great. I think singles are still in swing. So shout out to them. Hopefully they can, uh, they can have a good tournament. I know that at the end of the season, they were ranked number 70 in the country, um, which I know the top 25 is something we're all used to with all the other sports, but in tennis... There's so many programs. Being in that top 75 is kind of a, a coveted position. So we have a good men's team. We've, we've had a good men's team for a long time, led by Carlo Cajun and a couple other guys that have really showed out this year's show. Shout out to them. Hopefully they can they can make some hay in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and uh, all of the teams can make it uh, into the postseason and beyond. So shout out to them. Also, softball continues their absurd uh, 79 consecutive now Sunbelt Conference Series victories. Uh, this was a particularly impressive one. Start out Friday, kind of on a on a rough foot, lost, got walked off in in a game where they blew the lead, four four run lead and a three run lead, all in the same game. Got walked off, uh come back and win Tuesday and and excuse me, Saturday and Sunday, uh to take the series over a pretty decent Troy team. So uh shout out to them. They By the way, I don't I'm, I'm just
4: gonna say I don't think they're getting enough enough uh, recognition nationally for that win streak that they're on i mean that is stupid and it feels like it's just crickets other yeah jerry what, and i were talking we talk about,
1: about that last week about uh, it's almost impossible you're talking about a decade of winning conference series like you know i hate to bring this up early and we'll get into it later but you go you have cajuns baseball who was the superior team at jmu they go in there and get absolutely dominated the girls have had off weekends and still pulled out series victories. so to put it in perspective i mean 10 years of winning conference series. And the other thing is that we expanded the conference last year. You got good programs in. I don't know, man. That is that is pretty damn impressive.
3: And it really doesn't matter what conference you're from because, you know, you'll hear bigger schools say, well, you know, you're in the Sun Belt and it's 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 easy. We could do the same thing if we were in your conference. But in reality, that's not true. I mean, there's times when even your best teams uh, would have trouble doing that. I mean, this is a decades-long a uh, win streak that's that's still continuing on to this day. So I mean, to be able to accomplish something like that um, week in and week out for ten years uh, is is not only impressive. It's I mean I don't know if that's I I, I don't know if that's a, a streak that that can be broken once it's done, and hopefully it's not done uh, anytime soon. But uh, it's definitely something to to really commend this team on because even the other the other day. You know, you lose off, you lose the game on a walk off on Friday night, and then you you have your back against the wall Saturday. You're down two nothing, and the second we tie it up, I believe in the fourth or fifth inning, we just run away with the entire series. We dominate that game, and then we dominate on Sunday. So the way they respond and the way they've responded losing, you know, game one of a of a weekend series is even more impressive because it shows how this team answers and how they've done it over the last decade. So, you no know, kudos to Coach Glasgow in the in the in the and the softball team. Fantastic way to finish this weekend. I mean, look, those last two games were dominant. They responded well after a heartbreaking loss on Friday night. So, hopefully um it just continues.
1: Yeah, and just to give further context, and baseball and softball are not the same sport, but it's I think it's important and I think it's a it's a good uh comparison. You know, DeGgs went into his interview and said that the Friday night game that we lost was in heartbreaking fashion. And he felt like it carried over into Saturday and Sunday, which I don't necessarily disagree with that, but the girls, it happened. The exact same thing happened to them within minutes of the baseball team being walked off. And the way they responded was domination. So I
4: I think Josh, I think it's an expectation from that pro. I think you've got two different programs that one has the expectation that they are going to win the series. And the other, I'm not saying that the guys don't go into these, these series expecting to win, I just don't see the urgency from them when their backs are against the wall. I do sometimes like, like uh, they, they've had some great come from behind wins this season, but we'll talk about consistency later. It's missing everywhere. It's missing with the hitters. It's definitely missing with the pitchers. And one of the things you saw with the baseball program is, is the commentary commentary on, on the stream. I listened for just a little bit and JMU's like, yep, the, the, the we're welcoming the best pitching staff in the conference. Other teams look at us as the best pitching staff in the conference based on ERA. Solely, based on the numbers, right? Yeah. Based on the numbers, but we know because we watch them every game, we know there's inconsistency. So uh, it's it, there. There are just so many levels of inconsistency on the baseball side. Where on softball, there is just the expectation. Like there is no other choice. You are going to win the series. I don't see that yet from baseball.
1: I agree, hundred percent. I think they're searching, and it shows because they're not. I think one of the most important things about the softball team especially over the the uh, crazy consecutive series uh, streak is that how sure of themselves they always seem. And that's something that we haven't had here in a very long time. So that is the difference for me and you said consistency and look at how consistent Lauren Allred's been. She's also she's I think this is the second time in 3 weeks she's the Sunbelt player of the of the week. You know, look at uh, Laney Crater who's coming on strong. Look at the pitching staff that's that's found I think a pretty decent groove. Now, I don't necessarily love the, the you know, I don't know who's going to start when, and that's kind of a fan thing, but look at Sam. Sam has really started to, now that she controls the first and second inning, when she gets deep in the starts, she's unhittable. Uh, Kendra Lamb has been, this is about as consistent as you could have expected from her. Uh, Megan Shoreman has become the ace that you wanted when you recruited her here from Kentucky. So I think that they have now found their roles and, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I think finding roles is important to consistency, and that'll be something we talk about when it comes to pitching uh, uh, for baseball. But I think softball has a, a nice, um, they, they have a nice bit of momentum when it comes to finding their roles, knowing their role, and executing their role. I think that goes a long way to continue winning, Jerry.
3: Well, I think softball also has an. It's about attitude. It's about um. Uh, it, it's mentality. A certain mentality that they carry. I mean, w- like you had said, it was a tale of two programs the other night when we hear uh, softball getting walked off, and then all of a sudden the next two days, like I said, they dominated. Whereas baseball, you know, one of the main reasons we kept hearing why the Saturday game was such a disaster was because well, the guys were just so dejected from Friday night. I mean, that's a totally. Polar opposite mentality going into a game when you're walked off and you lose in heartbreaking fashion. I think with the softball team, they're so. I mean, we're just so used to being in the top 25. We're so used to fighting for a regional host. We're so used to playing for a spot in Oklahoma City that it's all the way. Like the roots of that mentality is all the way to when you walk into a young lady's home to recruit her and you tell her those things. And when she's on her recruiting uh, journey, trying to find out or figure out where where she wants to play. Uh, you know, when she looks at Louisiana, she looks at that, and she says, "Okay, they have a culture of winning. They're used to winning. They're used to dominating the conference. They're used to going uh, play play against the best of the best, whether it's in a regional or in a non-conference schedule." So I think that carries into. Uh, the, the, once they sign with the Cajuns that carries into when they put on that uniform uh, it, it's rooted all the way to when they, when we recruit, I mean, we have that reputation, we've always had that reputation and it, it pours out onto the field. Um, I mean, after Friday night, I I was kind of worried because Troy is a good softball program. They have a good team. You played at their house. Uh, they had all the momentum they needed to take one of the next two games and we shut the door on them right away. And that was that was huge. I mean, it just it it is it is it's a small weekend series, but it's an indication of of where our softball program is and the mentality that those girls have every time they take the field. And that and as a fan, I feel great. I feel so comfortable knowing that now and seeing the way they respond and, and just the attitude they have. And I was just gonna say, and then
4: you look at the flip side with the baseball team this weekend, they go and lose a hard fought, you know, game on Friday night. That was very emotional through the end because it was back and forth. That was a great baseball game, by the way, even though we'll talk about, you know, specifics later. But as a, as a casual fan, this is a fun baseball game to watch. We lost at the end. How do you respond the next day? Do you come out on fire and like, no, we're going to we're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're going to kick their butts. We're getting revenge today. Or do you lay down? I think the score tells you what we decided to do.
3: And you did it. And what's sad is you did it against South Alabama. A uh, Friday night, you're up five runs in the eighth. You blow the game, you lose in the ninth. And then the next two, the next game and the next that doubleheader on Saturday, you score 32 runs and you dominate. I mean, you crush them. And you look back and I'm like, if we would have had that attitude this weekend or this past weekend, no telling. Even if we would have uh lost the series, at least we would have taken a game. I think it would have been good enough to take one game. And so I think that is is so huge now because now we're in that time of the year where there's you you have to limit your mistakes i mean this isn't a non-conference where you, you 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 experiment with players you experiment with your pitching you experiment with your lineup and what ends up happening is it creeps into the mentality is what i'm saying it creeps into the mentality that the softball team has and it creeps into the mentality that the baseball team has and that's really the polar difference between the two programs
1: yeah i agree with that uh to your point about being one of the teams that play the nation's best. Number three, strength of schedule in the country the softball team owns. They will take on Coastal Carolina, who we don't necessarily have that big of a problem with. They're not like the football team or the baseball team. Uh, they'll go to Conway to play Coastal Carolina, who are 33-15, and 15, and they're in the top 150 in the RPI in softball. So that'll be an interesting series for the girls coming off of a Troy series that was hard fought, even though they did dominate game two and three. Uh, I'll be interested to see what they can put together on the road. So they'll put their... Uh, SBC conference streak on the line against Coastal this weekend. And uh, we'll get more into that as we approach, but agree with you guys talking about how, you know, softball is doing some things that are unprecedented. I mean, obviously unprecedented, and uh, we, we definitely need to give them more shine. Before we jump into the week that was in baseball, we talked to you guys on the last episode about Dave Schultz being back in the market and how important that was for coverage, how important it was for transparency with, Uh, The administration, athletics, all the things that we've tried to fill the gap with when, uh, you know, sports radio kind of cratered around COVID. Uh, Dave is already starting to deliver and pay dividends. Yesterday on, let's, Tuesday uh, afternoon, he had Dr. Brian Maggard in, asked some questions about the state of the program. Uh, I thought it was some very interesting information that Brian gave out, and I wanted to talk about that for just a minute. There are a few things that I want to get to, but there was one situation in particular where Dave asked Brian about a, a budget shortfall that we all found out in the 22 audit where Cajun's sports as a whole was operating at a $5.2 million deficit. You know, we've talked about that here. Uh, but it, I thought it was interesting to get his thoughts on that. And basically, he gave an answer and he gave reasons. and I'm not going to say it's excuses. But then he went on to say that in order to make up the deficit going forward, the athletics program needs to generate seven to nine million dollars more annually. You know, and at the time, I i I was taken I was taken back by that comment because that's a pretty significant amount of money. Now, football season tickets were down. There are multiple reasons for that uh, uh, across the board, you know, and you can look at the service industries around here with regard to the oil field. There's so many different reasons why you can say things are down. Seven to nine million dollars is a lot. I mean, that's I mean, if I, I think our budget right now is around 32000000 million. You're talking about, what, 20%? 18% of the budget? We need, to, we need to generate more? That's a lot. That's a lot of money. And I was talking to somebody else that's close to the program, and they basically said that since COVID, we had cut the spending by 7 to $9 million. So that makes a lot of sense as to why he gave that, that figure. Jerry, I know you, you kind of dabble in this more than, than most. What are your thoughts on that? That's kind of important. Well,
3: you have to have a plan B in action. Uh, If you have to maintain a program from seven to eight million dollars a year, you have to find other ways to generate revenue. And so I don't really know the solution to that other than fundraising. Uh, I really haven't been paying much attention to the fundraising efforts. I know that uh, the Alumni Association and RCAF have combined forces to be able to create fundraisers and more events of awareness. Uh, for the brand and the university and the athletic department. So I think that's a good start. But really, you have to have boots on the ground. You have to have boots on the ground. You got to go after the, the people. You got to go after the people around this community to, to donate and, and buy in. You have to have a message to get people out to want to buy in. You have to give them a reason to want to buy in right uh so i think that's a really big factor here now especially with the football stadium coming in uh you know the trying to piggyback off the success we've had you know going to a bowl game going to the dance uh you know the diamond sports trying to make a postseason run um so really the only way to really make up for the shortfall is to be able to raise money and get money go find ways to produce revenue go sell merchandise go fundraise go do events and um I think, you know, we've talked about this so many times too. We were blue in the face. And now when you see a number like that, it's staring right at you, (laughs) but it's staring directly back at you. So, um, I I think, I think it's a sign of the times. I mean, there are a lot of mid-major programs like us going through it, uh, at the same time, that doesn't mean that shouldn't stop us from trying to find a way to weather that storm. So, um, I'm interested. I don't think it's a storm, Jerry. I, I think it's a, I think it's they put the
4: somebody I'm guessing T Joe put the athletics department on notice. Here's your number. Go get it. Sure. It's on you. And I think it put everybody in that department on notice. I don't know. I, I don't know that we're weathering the storm. I think we're setting the expectation now
3: that they well, have to get this money. Well, I say we weather the storm because we've been through this over the last few years. And that's what I mean. I think weathering the storm and 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 what I and the content in which I'm talking about is being able to find ways to, even though other mid major in other words, other mid- majors are going through the same thing, that shouldn't stop us from kind of joining that crowd and just being like, well, everybody else is doing it, so I guess we can too. I think we need to lead in that regard and and set the example of, hey, look, yeah we may be in the red but here's ways to get out of it and um look we've got some this is a very business savvy town this is a very business savvy community if we can just find ways to brainstorm and do that um it, it can be done it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other and going do it
4: there's money in the area i mean it's katiana think about how big a is and 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 we need to one again we say it all the time we need to market to our own people but it pisses me off every time I see Tony Sachery's behind the the, the the catcher at the school across the basin. That's a New Iberia, Opelousas company. So why is that money going across the yeah, basin? Yeah, they're headquartered in you Opelousas. Tabasco mm-hmm. did some things with us a while back. I still have an old UL Tabasco. And we used to have the – I think we had some Tabasco um, patio furniture or something. But why, why are we not engaging with them? Obviously, there's a history somewhere there that they didn't want to engage with our folks. But I think now, like I said, I think now that, that our our guys are put on notice that this is a number and you got to get, they're going to have to start being more aggressive with these people and and with the marketing to our own, uh, what is it, our city, our team? Our 100% town, correct. Our, town
1: our, our team. I like it Exactly. I've been seeing it a lot, it a lot it. more, too.
4: A hundred percent, yes. Of course, we're going to start, you know, lawn guys are here right now. Uh, of all, They usually come at like three in the afternoon, but yeah, right now. I got Mine, the wood okay. chipper
1: behind my house. Jerry's <laughs> got the uh, Lafayette high being built. Nick's got the, the long guy. See, these are the struggles of doing it during the morning. But, uh, but Nick, let me ask you this. Like, from a confidence standpoint, how do you feel about getting or being able to get that done? I mean, like we said, that's a chunk. 18 to 20% of your budget you have to increase. That's, that's a pretty substantial chunk. And I like to look back at the larger generating uh, revenue-generating sports. You know, regardless of what Marlin was able to accomplish this year, at the end of last year, Uh, there were a lot of fans that didn't buy season tickets or didn't buy merch or didn't go to the games because they were unhappy with uh, 12-year, 13-year results. That's something that you can't turn a blind eye to. And as much as we love Coach Dez, the fact of the matter is the the widely felt, um, the people around town expected the floor to be 8-4. and I don't think I'm wrong on that. So the season tickets for football were down. We know that. I mean, the mass exit of Napier and and all the other things that went on, I think that that cost a ton of money, not to mention the the way the schedule lined up, the way that you only had, I don't know, maybe one or two exciting games to go to as a a fan on a Saturday. You know, I, I don't know how much money we actually generated from tailgating. I know it was way down. So many of those larger generation uh, revenue generators were were impacted in a very negative way, and it, it wasn't necessarily because of COVID. Now I know we were a year clear of that, but it was results on the field, and it was lack of engagement, and lack of promotion, and lack of going out to the community. And charging twenty
4: five hundred dollars to... a tailgate spot for for your RV. There you, you go. Know, do and you we... want do you want do you want ten RVs out there at twenty five hundred a season, or do you want a packed house at five hundred dollars a season? I'll take the packed house at five hundred.
1: Exactly. And yeah. Did we I learn agree. from those things? But did that, exactly, learn, did we learn from them? Is there a plan in place now to go out and engage the consumer? And is there a place now to promote in a relentless fashion?
4: But that's what you were asking me. If if I'm confident, we can raise the funds. Right. Yes. Look, for year one, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, nine nine million to go from like maybe asking three to nine is a big. That's a big jump. But. um But I think when you give me six months and I can maybe answer that question a little bit better, because I want to see what the response is from the athletics department. They had a little Houston gathering over here. Um, Unfortunately, I was on a business trip, so I couldn't make it. But that was the first that I've heard in, in years that they're trying to engage with the folks here other than doing a little tailgate spot at Rice. So show me that you can do it in the next six months. Show me you're thinking outside of the box. Show me that we're starting to get, you know the this 2500 or whatever it is a season tailgate spot show me that you're trying to open it up to more people Uh, again it's embarrassing when you show up you got 10 10 spots oh yeah but you got 2500 dollars from each one of them yeah but you only got 10 people out there it's embarrassing
1: fill fill it up that is the gulf between the fan experience and paying for the lights to stay on so give me six
4: months and if they listen and if they do those things then i think i'll have a better more confidence in the fact that we can get closer to that number Year one, I I don't know that that's a that's a big number to to jump for. And by the way, now you got a whole new staff, right? We, exactly. we clean house. Now that's kind of where it's going to go. Next. So then it, that that you throw that in there, it's going to be tough.
1: And Jerry, bringing it home, have you seen things lately that give you any amount of confidence that we've kind of ch- we're changing the paradigm with regard to engagement, our promotion, our look? You got baseball making a home stretch. You got softball making a home stretch. Football is not that long away, guys. We said it last year. the the very last football game at this at at Cajun Field, we should have we should have started a blitzkrieg of promotion and you know season ticket renewals and all these things. Have you seen something differently than you saw in 2022?
3: No, I have not. Um, And I've heard. And here's the thing i've I've been told no to that question by other fans. Uh, where's the marketing? Where's the blitzkrieg? Where is the messaging? And and you know you get your typical messages renew your season tickets. You get that once every four or five days when the deadline's coming up. But I really no, I, I'm just gonna be honest. I have not not as much as as what we've talked about in order to get that community engagement involved and. You know, when it comes to baseball, I think the in-game promos. I think they do a decent job with that. You know, this weekend you have your your promotions. You know, you got the kids Sunday. You can do the T-shirt giveaways and stuff. That's great, but I think you have to go beyond that because, well,
1: to, to your point, baseball's always been great at that.
3: Well, it's it's, been one of the only ones. It's easy. It's an easy product because people already go to baseball. Like it's one of our biggest sports at the university. I mean, they already packed the place. So you really don't have to do as much promotion, but they still do it in spite of that. Football, you need promotion. You had one. of. I mean, you had the second lowest uh, average attendance in the conference. I mean, behind uh, next to ULM. So there, you need to get that. I mean, you have to find ways to say, in order for us to not have such a low number again, what do we do to get people to go to the games? And part of that is promotion. Part of that is letting people know right now in the month of April that we have football season coming up. Spring football just ended. We had a really good spring game. We've got a lot of talent coming back. Uh, you know, this team's going to be a lot more, well, pretty much improved from last year. Uh, it's the it's coaching a totally different team it's a different team and it's going to be a good team. So you got to find ways to take that and market it and say, look, Acadiana, this is a, going to be a fun team to watch. You like to see what you saw a few years ago. This team is kind of in that same ballpark as, as what you saw in 20 and 21. So I think you have to find ways to sell that and you have to find ways to get people on board. The problem is a lot of people here. They really just don't know. Like they don't, the, the local people here just look at it. Oh, it's UL football. Great. Okay. I can watch the game on ESPN plus, right? Well, what do you do to get over that hump of getting people off the couch instead of watching the game on ESPN plus and buying into the program?
4: Hey, what's the solution? And we were selling out the stadium when I was on the field. I'm just saying when I was on the field with a microphone, people showed up, you know, maybe I didn't know what that means. do that again,
3: right? Yeah, you got to come back and be on the microphone then, if that's what's happening.
4: Then I couldn't say the stupid crap I say on here. I think I'm <laughs> gonna have to pass. Mr. I have Hilden to behave Hilden's a little over. bit. <laughs> you
3: gotta be good.
1: Couple uh, a couple little highlights that I took away from the interview as well. Uh, the clubhouse that we've been waiting on since the Teague had been has been completed. Uh, that started at three million dollars has now ballooned to six to eight million dollars to get it completed in the way that uh, we want to do it with the extra hitting cages and pitching cages and everything. So that was interesting. Uh, Brian Maggard said that he hoped, he hoped that after the 2023 season, demolition would start if a certain amount of financing falls into place. Was exactly what he said. Uh, he hoped that 2024 would be a year of displacement for the West Side folks. And he hoped that 2025 would be sweet for the Cajuns. Uh, That doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies, but hey, it is what it is. It always is a hope. It's a hope and a wish around here. And that's another thing that keeps people away from buying in, you know, the way that we do and the way that only few do. So maybe we're the idiots. Um, So he said that. A few other small things. uh, Softball is about to get a little bit of an addition to Lampson for also some batting cages and pitching pitching cages. I know if you've been around Lampson, you know they have a great grandstand. They have a great outfield. They've done a lot of really good uh, – jo- they've done a great job with the details of that park. I think they do a fantastic job, especially – I mean, if you compare it to anywhere else in the country, especially a school our size, we're, we're about as good as it gets. But the pitching areas and the bullpens and everything, there's some to be desired there. So that's going to get a little bit of a facelift. And let's be honest with this with the way that uh, collegiate athletics has progressed over the last 10 15 years you got to keep up so you can't just build a stadium and ignore it for 45 years like we did with Cajun field you can't do it like that anymore so uh he also dave did a great job asking about why we don't use Cajun field in more of a multi-use uh fa- you know it's it could be a multifaceted facility uh but we don't use it that way brian said that there's really no way to get uh huge equipment into Cajun Field. It's such a, it's a, it's just a hassle. It's almost impossible to get it down the tunnel. There's no way to get uh, like 18 wheelers in there to do concerts and things like that. So he did say in phase one or two, or uh, I might be misremembering, uh, shout out to Roger Clemens. Uh, but he said, he said something like in one of the phases early on, they're going, they're, they're planning to put a bigger opening to get concerts in there to get some revenue generation. So I thought that was important. Uh, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that, but you got to use the facility to make more money. Uh, you know, if you're not going to, it's it's too good and too um, prime of a location to use it six to ten times a year. But it I just, will tell
4: you, he did also say that the whole premise behind the build out of the 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 new you know West Side is that they're going to make it into a multi use facility. Correct. In that regard, so that was good to hear because, like you said. It, six games a year ain't going to cut it for all the millions of dollars that they're spending
3: on
1: it. So that'll be a great way to recoup some money, pay the bills, get the loan paid down, you know, all that other stuff because we know it's going to be financed. I mean, bonds are only, I don't know how much of the the project, I think maybe 25%, Jerry, do you remember? 33% maybe?
3: It's, it's somewhere a third or fourth of the project. Yeah, they, so. they usually have to bond that out. But I mean, you know, The thing about Cajun Field and the beauty of Cajun Field is the capacity actually works perfectly for a concert. I mean, if you take all of the seats, including the the hill, you can get anywhere between 40 to 45,000 plus anybody on the floor. That's around 50 to 55,000 people inside of that venue for a good, solid concert. I mean, if you can bring a big name to Lafayette that's how you do it I mean there's a lot of times I would complain over the years of why do we only attract country stars or like has-been bands with a bunch of replacements right where all the original members are either deceased or not there anymore so I always wanted like a headline ban I think the last time uh I want to say I think wasn't it was, it was it was it Garth Brooks that came to Lafayette uh a few years back or who was it yeah he was sold
1: the, the place out for a week
3: yeah, I think Carrie Underwood performed a few times, but like you can put someone like Carrie Underwood at Cajun Field or Garth Brooks at Cajun Field. And I mean, we do live in an area, a 30 mile radius of almost a million people. So I'm sure if you do that, you can attract more than just the 12,000 that show up to the Cajun Dome, which means more money, more revenue, right? We talk about generating revenue. That's that's a good way to do it if you do
1: it right. Agree, but we also hate money. so But that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was all very interesting and and you know, I, I still feel like the messaging <laughs> it's just it's so vague, man. How can you get somebody to buy in? We still are we still in the silent phase, by the way. I've never been called to ask to make a capital donation. I mean, I'm not rich by any means, but I've never been asked to give a capital donation to the stadium.
4: Look, I think Dave mentioned it, that he's under promise over deliver, but it seems like we've been under promising for the last five years. At some point you got to deliver. So I'm with you. I mean, but that's always been that, that is the MO of our university. I mean, you go back to God anytime since I've been alive and they've had something going on. It's, it's always been super secret under the radar. So I don't know if that that's much of an ad thing as much as it is a university thing
3: in my opinion look man my my cousin played for you for for tony in the ul baseball program from 2003 to 2006. he was recruited around 2002 ish and he was being recruited on the new stadium in 2002. and it took us and 15 years later the new teague was open so uh, I mean, you can ask any player from that era if it was even mentioned that we're going to play in a new stadium, and it was. And not to say that that's that wasn't you know co- that wasn't Robe's fault or anything, but it just goes to show you the messaging from the university of we're going to build this, we're going to build this, and then it takes 15 years from the time you were recruited that it actually gets done. I'm well, um, I I I glad it got done. I think, think it was the things. ones. That- it was one of the small, it was one of the uh, uh, only times or one of the few times that something actually got built, but it took 15 years after the messaging.
4: But I think I think the funny part is that that, that just goes to show you how secretive the university is. And Robe had that total, like Robe would tell you anything. You ask oh, him he any was question. So, so the university said, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to build you a stadium. He's like, we're building a stadium, boys. Let's go, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. he, he
3: had, I remember Tony had the uh, the drawings like, for like three or four years before they even started construction of of the, the new stadium and what it was supposed to look like, and he would not inv- like I remember one time, uh, Ronnie Louvier and I showed up to his office and we're like, "Can we? Do you have the stadium drawing?" And he like showed it to us. He presented it to us. I mean, he 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 didn't hesitate. He was like, "Here it is. This is what we want. This is what we're trying to recruit to." And so, and he was just happy because he had a drawing to recruit to. I mean, he he could you know even though the they didn't officially. Uh, come up with a timeline or anything. He had a drawing. He's like, "Look, this eventually this is going to get built, but here's what it's going to look like." And so it goes back to what you guys talked about and and being able to when you say you're going to do something, don't take 15 years to do it because that's how people don't buy in. That's how people walk away. You know, it, it, they, you don't want to pull the wool over people's heads unintentionally. You know, that's why the football stadium is. It's crucial that the football stadium gets built in the next two or three years
1: at a max. Football is just so overdue; it's ridiculous. There are no excuses, but I will say about baseball. You know, so many baseball supporters were uh, oil field service companies, and when you're when you're a slave to the price of oil, that's tough. And then obviously you have different oil busts, and you have different inflationary situations that come up over the course of you know 2002 to 2017, uh, fifteen years. I mean, you know how many you know how many financial changes happen in a city and an economy. I mean, that's why when you have a plan when you have how do you say this right when you when you try to sell things to a fan base or whatever their timing is important messaging is important and we talk about that all the time and I mean let's be honest the Teague almost didn't get done you know if it weren't for maybe Dave Schultz and Zan Beckett maybe the Teague doesn't happen dude I know it's kind of a joke and I know some people will think that's very funny but I'm serious. That there was a time where the teague was really on the rocks. It almost did not happen all the way up into, you know, Crane showing up to the property. They had equipment sitting out on the property for six months, not doing anything, and everybody was like, What is going on? They
4: had the old
3: webcam up too. Oh yeah.
1: They were ready to rock <laughs> well, and
3: roll and nothing was happening. You gotta give a shout out to 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 Rusty Cloche and Mid South Bank at the time doing the bridge loan. I mean saved us. They, they had to go and get, I think it was a $10 to $12 million bridge loan. And it's. he's like, look, I mean, I'll give it to you, but you better pay me back. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I mean, how many banks would have accepted that? How many banks you go up to them and say, we're trying to build this new baseball stadium. We need $12 million from you. I mean, that's a hard ask. It's a very
4: again, hard it's, ask. it's all about that local connection, man. And we need more of those. We need help from the community,
1: you know, in, in more ways than one. Agree 100%. All right. Let's have fun. We got We got through all the business, the order of the business. Here. What this is
3: fun? What are you talking about?
1: All right. So, last Tuesday, a week well, um, over a week, more fun. Yeah, yeah. The the boys went over to uh, the school across the basin, and let's call it what it is. We spanked their ass, and we slapped them around, and you know, call it what it is. It's it's a midweek game. I understand the importance. We've been following college baseball college baseball for long enough to understand that winning a midweek game only has a certain amount of significance. But it's significant when you beat the best team in the country. If Southeastern would be number one in the country and we beat them, we would have been excited about it. It's a good win for the RPI. At the time, we even had the conversation, is this a jump-off point? Do you feel like this can be this can propel us to having a successful end of the season? And the feeling was pretty high at the time. Obviously, we'll get into what happened after. But for now, uh, that was a fun game. You saw David Christie go out and deliver the performance of his life. You saw Fluno go out and give you a chance to get off to a start. He wasn't overly dominant, but, uh, you know, shout out to David Christie. And then Cooper Rawls comes in, slams the door, strikes out the side of the knife, makes the best hitter in the country look foolish, buckled him. I mean, that was really that was really some stellar work. Now, he did give up a bomb to Trey Morgan, but at that point, you got a five-run lead, throw strikes. Uh, I was not worried about the home run. When Connor Higgs hit the home run to go up by five, you felt pretty good. Overall, great defensive performance. Menaces at the plate. Uh, again, you, you pitched well enough to win, and and you dominated the number one team in the country in the midweek. It was a good win for the Cajuns. The whole World Series thing blown out of pro- proportion. You know, uh, the team that Seth Thibodeau used to coach for, Nichols, they just beat. That school across the basin, and I didn't see any World Series comments. Crickets. I, in fact, I saw a lot of great game, well played. I saw a lot of that. Uh, I also so, saw a lot of panic too. There's a lot really, of panic right now. With it really makes you wonder what's the difference. I mean, Nichols is an in-state school, right? I mean, hey, and they're they're actually closer to uh, to that school across the basin. So, well, it probably about the same. But you know, I, I just I wonder why is it so different when the Cajuns go to Baton Rouge and win. You know who? Who? Wh- why wouldn't we be excited about an RPI boost and a team uh, a win uh, against the number one team in the country? I, I'm just so I'm just so curious.
4: I can because go our so many places with this man.
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll I will give you a direct answer from a standpoint of our fan base, and it goes beyond just the baseball game. We don't kiss the ring. We don't kiss the ring. We don't bend the knee. We. And we're open about it and we'll tell them we don't owe you anything. We don't we, we're not going to we're not going to bow down to your tiger statue. And when we win, we're going to let you know that we won, just like they would have done to us. They They. there's no doubt they would have said, oh, we overlook ooh, la, la. It's not a big deal. But they would have they would have snuck in a few Oh, little brother and business as usual. They would have snuck in some Jerry. They talk. were doing it like three
4: days before the game. Like they wouldn't so, they wouldn't have. They started like three days before we
3: even played them. It was and, all over. and a week
4: after and a week the after. They're is, still on my on my Twitter
3: Today, That's what I was going to say. There's up until last night, up until last night, while the Nichols game was going on, while we were playing our game against Southern, you go on their message board. There's still threads about us a week later after a midweek game. My mindset was, don't get me wrong, I was ecstatic to beat them for the sake of they were number one in the country and that and really boosted our RPI. And you get a little bit of excitement because you get to, you know, I had some friends we were going back and forth and cutting up, but it's all joking. It's not personal. It's fun, right? We They support their school. We support ours. Nothing wrong with that. But some of these people, you look on Twitter, you look on the message boards, they were like getting personal about it, like really personal. I mean, it, it was to the point where I'm like, I was happy and I was excited, but Wednesday, I was ready to focus on JMU. I was like, look, we won the game. Ha ha, go Cajuns. Let's focus on JMU and let's build off of this. That was my mentality. But you go on Twitter, you go on those message boards, and – They're still talking about us acting like, oh, they won their World Series. Or I had a a few of their fans were like, oh, man, I live in Lafayette. I can't go to the office tomorrow because I just don't want to hear it from the Cajun fans. They're so hard to listen to. They're so loud about this stuff. And I'm thinking, do you know how ironic that sounds coming from your fan base? Knowing your fan base and the reputation you have, you're scared that other fans are going to talk trash to you. So you want to dish it on other people, but then when it comes back to you, oh my gosh, I can't take it. They're, they can't, the Ooh La La fans are so loud and they're so hard to listen to and they're just so annoying.
4: Meanwhile, we're no. playing Tennessee on, on national television in the NCAA basketball tournament, and all you read on Twitter is Ooh La La, Ooh La La, little brother in the tournament, Ooh La La. And they're sitting at home watching us play Tennessee. By the way, yeah. that pulled 3.8 million, the, the highest one of the highest rated games of the entire tournament.
3: Yeah, it, it look, man, but it's on again, us, right?
4: They're we're obsessed with them, but they're they've got our name in their mouth when they're not even involved in our games.
3: Look, we stopped talking about them on our message boards like Thursday. That was it. I mean, the only reason why why they talked about it a little bit more was because we made the joke about the parade. That well, was that's what I was gonna say. I
1: mean, I mean like so. I'll, I'll let me go ahead comment to dove into it. So Raging Review goes viral because Nick makes a fantastically hilarious troll parade video that I still watch every now and then and laugh my ass off because it was so great. And then I make the T-shirt that you get handed out at the parade that said World Series Midweek Champions. Holy cow. First of all, some of them got irate about it. But my favorite part is that some of them took it seriously because only that fan base would think that we would really believe that we were the midweek champions and throw a parade. Only they would. So, so it was just it was just pure comedy across the board. But you know, you got you got big fish that we caught on the troll on the. We were on a fishing expedition. We got Jordy Collada, who has. one Oh, of we're the gonna most, go into
4: that in a second, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, we, he's got one of the most popular um, independent podcasts in Baton Rouge media. If and went not to the USL. Most.
4: And went to USL.
1: He went to USL. Isn't it funny that a lot of their media people are either USL drop, dropouts? Let's about him.
4: Same yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, another guy on Colada show went to USL or UL at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, huge stuff. So, so, so we get Colada, and then the next day after Colada thinks we're really throwing a parade, uh, he has Chris Blair on. Chris Blair is the voice of that school across the basin, but before that, he was at Georgia Southern. So at Georgia Southern, he was one of the worst at the Louisiana Lafayette. He just. So then he makes this goofy comment on Collada's show about how he goes on the internet, Googles Louisiana. Can I and play the first it right thing, now? Can I play can, it? Absolutely. I've got it.
4: I've got it queued up. It's better to listen to it because, well, you know, it says on their website. Hold on. Let me let me queue it up. Here we go. Uh,
5: UL played their World Series here in Baton Rouge.
4: <laughs> World Series. There we go. You can't, they can't help it Shh.
5: got the tigers in game one they'll have their ring ceremony on tuesday night lsu will be in oxford this weekend
4: by the way it was a parade it wasn't a, a ring ceremony
5: and it Get got it right Collada. you hear him giggling man. like girls though like- uh the spring football game is happening this weekend so we'll a lot to catch up with with the voice good morning how are
4: you? i'm good
2: i'm good yeah it was a big win for the the cake <laughs> that's apparently that's a, that's I, was, pile. I, I didn't realize how big a win it was
4: yeah. oh yeah it was such a big win for you know he turned into like uh brian kelly Yes. Two years ago, two years ago,
1: he was deep Southern, Georgia, or Georgia Southern accent.
4: Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know, but but whatever. But yeah, huge win. You know, didn't realize how big of a win it was, even though it's his fans who were freaking out on Twitter. But go ahead. <laughs> a
5: Wednesday morning, right. Yeah. Did you just go Ridge and Cajuns, or did you go Louisiana? No, Lafayette? I
2: love Louisiana Lafayette because I do this every oh. when I went. Pause it,
1: Nick. Pause he it. loves, it. he loves Louisiana Lafayette. It, it doesn't matter so much to them that the guy literally led his show with the name he led his show with the
2: name when i was at georgia southern you know they were uh, comrades in the in the sunbelt conference and i would do some of uh, the espn tv um when we would play and i would usually get a handful of emails sometimes via twitter would be mm-hmm. we're the university of louisiana and i would immediately google university of louisiana and the first thing that came up was university of louisiana at lafayette mm. and then i'd open their website and on their website the logo says yeah. university of louisiana at lafayette you gotta get on that and um, <laughs> <Boy. so laughs> well he googled them. i R- just T- would reply and say as soon as you guys get the name changed i'm all
0: in
1: so what's well, so funny about that is i own he, him yeah well apparently he doesn't talk to the conference when he was here because it, it says on the conference website they are Louisiana. They go by Louisiana for sports.
4: It says Not only it on that, there. but it's it's on that, that website. I, I I sent him the thing. You know, I was like, hey, by the way, on Twitter, I'm like, hey, by the way, here's UT Austin. You know, here destroyed
1: this dude UNC Chapel
4: here. He's like, well, they're all flagships. Okay, now, yeah, we're that, okay let me, now we're moving now we're moving the goalposts again, right? Now let me we cut, cut in with, that. I Google them I, and now it's flagship, right? By the way, did I you know LHU
3: was a flagship? I had no I idea, love, idea until I this I love this fake flagship rule that because you're the flagship, there's a marketing rule on how you brand yourself. Like I've never, there's nothing that, it's this unspoken rule that is always made up that because if you're a flagship, you can call yourself whatever you want, but then other schools can't do that. Like I didn't know there was a flagship marketing rule. That's, somebody show me the documentation for the flagship marketing rule because I've never heard of that before that that's new to me so but to,
4: but to 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 go on to your point Josh he didn't have to go to the Sunbelt site because we give a 30 page in-depth you know look at our program at every single baseball game and on page two at the bottom it says we respectfully ask that for branding purposes we're referred to as Louisiana rage and Cajuns. Don't refer. To, I think it might even say don't refer to us as the University of Louisiana. It says we just ask Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's symbol.
1: exactly right. That's the thing so, you sent him. And he responded to it because he knew he was wrong. And here's the other thing. You don't even have to Google Tennessee or or Cal Berkeley or whatever. If you Google LSU and you're talking about the name of the university, you all want to help me out here? What is the name of the university, Jerry? Louisiana State University and Agricultural and Mechanical College. So I guess then by his own admission, he should be calling the team that he calls games for by the name of the university. But this they're is, the flagship. This is yeah, why the, flag, I love, the fake this,
3: flagship, the ghost flagship rule. I'm going to call it the ghost flagship rule, the ghost, this, the ghost flagship marketing rule. That's what this, we're going to call it. This
1: is why I love having this platform to call out <laughs> jackasses like that who sit there and giggle like little teenagers about he, he, he the name oh. thing. It, it's it's a joke, man. And it we say respectfully because we know that they're not legally obligated because it is a branding effort. Just like LSU is a branding effort. Just like Texas is a branding effort. It's all What's, a branding effort. We do the same thing they do, but because they're the flagship, oh, well, they have they have a monopoly on that. Well,
3: the ironic part about it was a few years ago, I believe they were playing a football game or something. And, and one of the play-by-play guys kept calling them Louisiana State University. One of their marketing guys went on Twitter and said, no, please no, don't no. address us. Not as- the
4: marketing guy. They're freaking head of sports information. What
3: is oh, his name? Their SID. Yeah. yeah. Went on Twitter and said, please do not refer to us as Louisiana State University. Call us LSU.
1: Oh, we got to find it. We got to oh, find I'm that. I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, to
3: wait, 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 wait. Oh, let me tell you. I think at the time we tweeted that out and I think, I think the tweet was, whoa, 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 wait a second. Dot, dot, dot. And I think that was our tweet. And I'm like, Cause a lot of I'm looking at this. I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 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 no, no, Let's not. Now we're being hypocrites. Now we're being hypocritical about this, right? We're not going to respect what you want to be called. But then if we do that, we're we got to go call out the the play by the national play by play guy because you did the same thing that we love to do to you. Am I getting? Am I gauging that right? By like, the way, no, by the, the way, the irony of doing that was 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 priceless. I, I, just, I thought that was nickel great.
4: state on their website. They want to be called Nichols. What they were called they called? Nichols. Nichols. McNeese their- State, McNeese State, same thing. McNeese wants to be McNeese, so for some reason it's cool for them. But you know the flagship. Well, we're the flagship. Look, it goes even deeper than that. I think this was the day before colada got into our name thing, and I thought this was funny. I think is this the one? This is the one where he calls us little brother. I mean, I mean
5: that's why the people that you know, like you go over there, you you meet some of the Lafayette crowd that's really like passionate mm-hmm. about this. You're like, yo, Pierre like
0: chill out, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that this
5: isn't, this is, this is too much to get worked up over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're pumping out first round picks mm-hmm. every single year over there. It gets better, they're hold on. They're number one in track and field right now. Right. You know what I mean? They just won the national championship in women's basketball. We hadn't even got to football yet. And you're coming to the game on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Right, I know. absolutely. Right. That's the thing. Right. Why do you think y'all play on Tuesdays? Yeah. You know, like your football team plays on Wednesday nights. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because your whole town clears out and goes to Baton Rouge on yeah, Saturday. That is a- and,
4: no, actually, it's because that's what ESPN forces us to do.
1: In the conference, we don't have a choice. And you're a USL graduate. You freaking turncoat jerk. Oh, it gets better. One
4: more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this one. This one, he goes into it. He leans into it even harder. Here we, we go.
1: Get into UL
5: Lafayette, Louisiana, UL, USL, because the... The the the, 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 the tiny just <laughs> dick syndrome yeah. that they have about it is just unbearable. Yeah. I mean and, and like once you start to laugh at it and you realize that you're
4: Who's got the syndrome? But even better, we get a shout out in about twenty seconds. But who's got the syndrome, Josh? Hold on a second.
1: This dude with a with a forty-five million dollar check from the SEC and a sixty million dollar official athletic budget and a collective and and a bunch of boosters who don't mind stealing from nuns and ripping off kids, they're worried about what we call ourselves. They're worried about what we do on the diamond or, or when we beat them in softball, which is regularly, or not wanting to play us in football, or not not like totally refusing to come to the Cajun Dome, which is a nicer gym than that dump they play in. That guy thinks we have a small dick. That's that is his stance? You got to be kidding me. You Go got on, to be freaking yeah. on, kidding me.
5: This is a lot to get worked up over. You know what I mean? Right. At 7.15 on a... Is it Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right. I was about Wednesday, to say... Tuesday. You were... there. There's going to be a threat about this on whatever oh, yeah. message board I, I, they have. I mean, Rage and Cajun Review.
4: Very I mean, you are feeding... The- Rage and Cajun and Review. Hey, we by the own way-
1: you, Kalata. We own you. You got to talk about us specifically. Yeah, because... We are interested in this. this. is important to us. We understand what it means for this school and this community that you came to and got educated by you, clown.
4: But we're the ones who are who are insignificant and insecure, right? We're insecure about our name, but yet we're in their mouths for three straight days on three different episodes about the name thing. Oh, this dude, and he did Cage a week worth the content to-
1: on us, and he's talking about, dude, that is gold. That's gold. Thanks, Nick. Oh no!
4: Oh no! We're going to go one more uh, before we before we move on because this one's this. You want to talk about gold? This one goes a little bit longer, but it's our, our friend Scarborough who uh, who actually I, I think he lost his uh, he. If you would be able to see the look on his face while he's doing that, I think he had a coronary shortly after. But here we go.
0: <laughs> they don't have anybody that Joe Hilburn says living in Lafayette. I hate and he types it in all caps. Losing the ULL as someone who lived in Lafayette for thirty one years. Uh,
4: and went to the school, by the way,
0: oh, he couldn't finish that They are extremely annoying. Uh, let me clarify.
4: OK, they OK. They are extremely annoying. Who was who was in our DMs and, and tweeting us while we were playing a different team on national television during the NCAA basketball? Well,
1: it goes it goes bigger than that. When the fans do it and Dave said this and I agree 100 percent when the fans do it, it's just banter. And it's how you develop a rivalry 100 percent for that. When the professionals in the booth do it, it's petty. When the people that do Baton Rouge media for clicks talk about it, it's it's transparently. What's the word? It's it's Ridiculous. you are you are actively, disrespectful. You're well, the, actively disrespecting us for clicks and, and and conversation. And
4: that's what I told uh your boy the the tiger voice whatever his name is who who started talking like this the the. My whole thing is like, if you're going to disrespect us, just say it. Just say, we don't like you and we're going to call you whatever we want because we don't have any respect for you.
3: Well, the and thing I, is, you know th- what? Th- I'd be okay with that. Okay. The basis of, the, but they always claim the basis of why they don't like us is because of our fans. It's our fans' fault. Well, you got, well, your fans are unbearable. The ULL fans are annoying. ULL fans do this and that. Um, You guys, one time I remember your athletic director has to send apology letters to other schools because you, your fans, you know, Vandalized the other team's bus you know i mean you're the one screaming sttdb or whatever stb yeah, whatever it's called like right yeah. yeah you want to talk about us being disrespectful i mean i, I like I, i've the, to act to act like we're the worst fans ever and your fans are complete angels is one of the biggest cases of irony and ridiculousness that but i've ever heard wait I mean, till I'm you sorry. hear like, why he hates insane. us he, he says that is insane to he even says, suggest that
4: but he says why he hates us it's coming
0: I loved living in Lafayette. A lot of great friends there. But they've got a certain percentage of their fan base that makes it impossible for a lot of LSU fans in that city to pull for both teams. They make you choose. Good. Um, Good. They're just miserable human beings.
3: Who sounds oh, miserable irony. right now? The irony—the <laughs> man is about to have, like, the man is having a, a a going on a rant. He's so angry the way he's talking about it. But he's telling, he's saying that our fans are miserable while wow, he's being miserable talking about it. Right? Go
0: right. on. It, it, it's something to behold. And um, all their issues are LSU's fault. And yet these are the same people who won't spend more than twenty dollars for a ticket, and they've got to lure people to games with fun jumps and face painting. In petting zoos for the kids.
4: He couldn't forget the petting zoo, man. I want to be there for the petting zoo. When was that this? on that one.
1: Wait, we a wanna, petting zoo? Before we, before we talk about the petting zoo, Nick, you want to post all the 50 articles that we've been talking about that you've <laughs> found over the course of 60 years as to why LSU voted on this, that, or the oh, other no, to keep it you, gets you well down.
0: He tell He actually says it. Hold on. And they give away free tickets at McDonald's and Happy Meals. Sound like Will Wade going after the basketball coach. You know the and they they, they what they're the funniest thing and I'm going to get off him real quick but he he picked a scab.
4: He picked a scab because you're so offended. Well, we're miserable. We're <laughs> so we're,
0: we're miserable. the ones
3: that are miserable, Nick, not him. Who hurt we, you, we Scarborough? We,
1: we who did. Hurt you? We exposed for these people for who boring. they are. They're clowns. Um, <laughs> we're the miserable ones, guys. The funniest not, thing about yeah. them
0: is they they make fun of LSU fans in the state that did not attend LSU. So what they need to be asked is are you telling every citizen in Lafayette that you don't want them to come to your sporting events that already are you know you can shoot buckshot and not hit anybody?
4: No, dude. What we're telling you is don't wear your purple and gold crap when you come support the Cajuns. Is that too hard to ask? That and
1: it's completely different. You don't need supporters. You have you have a, an eighty-year head start. You have owned the state with regard to branding and and. I mean, basically brainwashing them into thinking they're the only institution in this state. If a Lafayette resident that didn't go to UL wants to go to a football game, a baseball game, a basketball game, of course we welcome them. But I promise you, those aren't the fans running around with the Walmart t-shirts losing their freaking mind when you try to talk about UL sports over LSU sports. Y'all do that, and that is the
0: issue. Unless they attended or graduated from USL, because if that's the, the measuring stick, you're really in trouble.
1: Well, you couldn't be a fan because you quit couldn't taking graduate. $2
0: million from the state every year to fund your athletics. Be self sustaining. Annie up and write your own checks. And why can't we
4: write oh. our own checks?
1: First of all, we don't take oh, any money. Uh, we don't take oh, any money from the state okay. well, as of about six years ago. That's one Second point. of all, we can't do that because you people legislate against everything we try to do. And spent
4: $400,000. He wants to talk about spending state money. They spent $400,000 of state money to fight against our name change. Their school did that. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this false. And by the way, if you ever notice, fans from that school, they just say stuff that's factually incorrect. Yes. And then it catches on and everybody keeps start saying the same thing and it's wrong. It's just like, but it doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. They just keep saying it, right?
3: So that's, I've got the a Twitter, bit that's the Twitter world keep, we live in. Keep, keep playing it. Keep playing it. Yeah, I want it's, it. Almost, it gets it's almost done. It gets better.
0: Oh, that was a scab. Well, look, quit mooching off the state is what I'm telling. Right there. Well, quit not, mooching they're off they're the state. They're not
3: sufficient enough with an athletic. Department
0: right there. Number. Of okay. Course we talked about the. Well, they
4: were. Yeah, we're not keep sufficient going, enough.
1: No, LSU has
3: milked the state for every dollar they could get. Well, they still have buildings falling apart. Right. I have a comment about that. Keep playing it. All right. We're going to through the
1: ceiling.
0: They want, to, they want to exhume Huey Long's body and, and, and hold him up on trial for keeping them down over 100 years ago. Yeah, well, all I can tell you is this. They were a better team last night. It was probably a good comeuppance. But as a fan that lives in Lafayette, I feel his pain. I can yeah. imagine it's been a terrible that, day What they pain. want to do is they want to convince you that you should enjoy eating that, that Chuck Wagon steak at Golden Corral and that it tastes just as good as Ruth Chris.
1: Oh, my God. Somebody pissed that dude off. I guess Uh, Raging Paging has been busting his balls for about five years now.
3: We're the miserable ones, okay? <laughs> we're we're just so upset, you know. Dude, and this dude's about to growl. have about to cry on the air. We're the miserable <laughs> <laughs> ones, okay?
4: Dude, look, if you get to, look, Josh, I need to send it to you before you go, Jerry, you have to see the look on his face when he's going through this because he literally looks like he's about to cry.
1: Well, I've seen him do it before. <laughs> That's why I can't stand the guy. He's such a fraud. He couldn't make it through this curriculum, and instead, he goes and creates the Bible of LSU. You gotta be freaking kidding me. This dude is a professional uh message board poster. I mean, that's what he is. And you want to talk about it's great that we have our own grassroots fan base. Every school should have it. I never went to uh, Acadiana High School football games when I was at Karen Crow. Nick, I mean, th- where did you go? I mean, I Jerry, were KD you going Anna. to Shaw ne- games? No, no, I never went to Karen no. Crow games. I think not whole about Karen The whole, the Karen whole Crow games. reason that you get into the sports, the athletics programs of the school you went to is because it's a pride thing. They use it as a, as a professional sports fandom opportunity. That's what they do. I and still got think-
4: mad at my brother when he sent my, my, my nieces and nephews to ST. I'm like, they need to go to like
1: it. it it's, it's, it's just called loyalty. Team. What these people don't understand is that there needs to be a certain amount of loyalty. The reason why UL has been stuck, other than the fact that LSU and, and other reasons have kept us down, some of it our own fault, I'll, I'll admit that. But one of the reasons why is because because of, because of an institution like um, LSU Sports because it's 60 miles away, it's so much easier to be loyal to a winner than it is to be loyal to the people who educated you. And what we're trying to do here, and I think we've been a pretty somewhat successful at it over the last five years, is that we've tried to tell people and teach people that it's important to be loyal. And we have the grassroots movement. So who cares if you're pissed off LSU-UL fan? Look, if LSU and UL are playing on the same night and you go to Baton Rouge, what kind of UL fan are you? All right? It's such a ridiculous conversation to have from, from their point of view. From our point of view, like I said, you can't you can't say you you support mom and pop shops and then buy goods and services from Amazon. That's not the same thing. You're not a mom and pop shop supporter. You're an Amazon supporter. You're 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 looking for you're looking for convenience. That's not what we do here. What we do here is we prop up what's hard to do. And that's what what's hard to do is to be loyal to this university who has struggled athletically for a multitude of reasons. Well,
3: I think part of it is the fact that it's it's like you said, it's it you know, he talks about they want to take out the body of Huey Long and all that stuff. But it's that mentality that – and nobody can deny this. The Huey Long mentality sticks with the state today, to yes. this day. It's the reason why Louisiana is dead last in almost everything good. It's the reason why education is fighting for 50th place. It's the reason why economic development is fighting for 50th place. It's the reason why people like Nick moved out of the state to find better job opportunities. That mindset of Huey Long is still here. And if anybody wants to see – but see, a lot of those – Some of their fans don't care about that because as long as the football team's winning, that's all that really matters. Forget the fact that the people are moving out of Louisiana in droves and Louisiana is losing its tax base. Hey, you know what? Kickoff's at two thirty against Alabama. That's what's important. We got to be in the stadium. That's important. But the fact of the matter is he wants to say that, you know, uh, we want to blame Huey Long. Look, Huey Long, there's a book about Huey Long called Kingfish U Huey Long and LSU about how he promoted LSU. And basically Shafted every other school. He helped write one of their official fight songs. How many governors out there in America help your help help your school write an official fight song? Also, an, Jerry, it was song? written
1: by I an LSU mean, alum, a Manship alum. One of their I own mean,
3: wrote the freaking book. You know, and 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 on top of that, you know, he wants to talk about you know, well, quit mooching off the state. Who gets the most funding? Which university gets the most funding from the taxpayer in Louisiana by tenfold compared to other schools, other in-state schools? Which school is that? I don't think it's us. If you could, if you take that twelve million dollars he claims with athletics and combine it with the state funding that the UL system gets, and compared to what the LSU system gets, it's still fifteen to twenty percent of what they get. It's also incorrect. We
1: don't get state money anymore.
3: But the idea to even say that we're mooching off the state when they've been the biggest benefactor off the taxpayer for the last hundred years is one of the biggest cases of irony I've ever heard. I mean, to even suggest that and and say, well, be self sufficient. Well, the reason why you're self sufficient is the fact that the state basically almost forced you to create uh, the Tiger Athletic Foundation because they couldn't afford to they couldn't afford to pay for your athletic department because you were building stadiums and you were putting dorms inside of your football stadium and funding your athletic program.
1: And look. Look, I mean, Scarborough saying that LSU, look, LSU is the trust fund kid telling the, you know the the poor guy who's coming up by the bootstraps, "Oh, but you got to just do better. Find a better job. Get a better opportunity." That's what that is.
4: Oh, my favorite's like, "Well, join a better conference. Okay, invite us. We'll take the $60 million in revenue i mean they want to say be self-sufficient okay invite us to the sec we'll be self-sufficient yeah we'll make it on I that mean, 60 million million. We'll
3: get the 45 50 million dollar tv contract and get a jump start that's more than our entire athletic budget yeah but i don't want to i mean I don't it's easy go down to say this. that when you it's it's easy to say things like that when you're when you've been the benefactor of every legislative piece every piece of legislation over the last hundred years and a lot of their fans i mean some of their fans are like well they want to blame lsu for everything El look it's not that it's LSU's fault per se, but you cannot deny, and none of these people can deny that LSU has been the, the largest benefactor of state politics over the last century. There's, I mean, you can't deny it. It's it's data, it's etched in stone. I mean, there's 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 numerous examples, and Nick, you did research on it, of other schools getting cut. Uh, their funds getting cut, their schools getting cut to benefit the school in Baton Rouge. I mean, that's not that's not a conspiracy. It's 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 data. It's facts. Historical yeah. I mean, well, facts. It's to like deny they... that, I'm And look, and, and to deny that and say that doesn't exist is is a lie. It, it, you're you're in denial when you when you suggest that. I'll just so, give you an
4: example. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but to give you an example, computer engineering. We had a master's program at UL in the 80s, and so the school across the basin got approval for a doctorate. They didn't even have a master's. I don't even know that they had that, that you could study that at LSU at the time, but they went and got a doctorate. And then we kind of were like, Hey, we've got the, shouldn't we have it? And they're like, Oh no. Well, if they need it, they can go to USL and then they can come to LSU, the flagship to, I mean, that just goes to show you and they've cut programs and all that. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I don't want to lose fact or or lose sight of the fact that Scarborough, that Kalata are, are, are dedicating time on their program to talk about how little we are. Like they have to come out and verbally assault us to just, you know, assure that they. everybody knows they're dominant in the state and they're the flagship. So we got to go verbally assault the, the school 60 miles away. And other teams, fans from other programs in the conference are on Twitter going, What are these? Man, you guys hit a nerve, right? Look how ridiculous these people are acting. That's well, where it shifted, Nick. And that's what that's where it shifted, and that's what but I love about it.
3: If yes. you want look, it's one thing to say you're the flagship, because look, I'll I'll accept it. You're the flagship. Great. We have no but choice. S- they tell us every but, 15 minutes. But my point is do something with the title do something with the title you know you've you've undercut every other school in the state to prop up your flagship title and what have you really done with it oh even better jerry one of their
4: fans one of their fans said something about how great of an institutional educational institution they are and i was like yeah you're second to last in the sec and then they changed it and they're like well we're number 37th flagship in the country and i'm like out of 50 that's like congratulations bottom, <laughs> that's like, the
3: bottom 28 percent. you're in the bottom 28 percentile of flagships and not only you're in the 28 bottom 28 percent, you've been given everything you've been given everything on a silver platter and you've done nothing with it that's see that part frustrates me more it's not about being i don't care if you're the flagship or not to me that's just nothing but a name it's a title it's a label do something with it don't abuse the title I don't think a lot of our fans would care as much if you didn't abuse the title while simultaneously undercutting our stuff to, to maintain that title but doing nothing with it. It's like basically stealing and then you're not actually using – it's like it's like stealing a lawnmower out of my garage and then you don't use the lawnmower. You just keep it in there collecting dust in your garage, right? Do something with the title. You know, Winning football games is not doing anything to uphold your flagship title, okay? When you have to – when your athletic director has to come out in 2019 – and tell the academic side to raise your own money because athletics can't give you any money to fund your school. That's a problem. That's a huge, that's a huge issue. It's true.
1: The the, the athletics department is rich. It's enriching itself more and more and more. And that's fine. That's what I want to do, whatever. But, but you want to start talking about academics and things like that. Nobody can tell me that LSU is not on the way down. And UL is on the way up. We achieved R one last year. We are a much more respected um, uh, research institution than that school over there. And, we don't have falling apart infrastructure we're actually investing in our infrastructure oh, but and it's Josh, not be, it's not on the backs of taxpayers it's on the backs of making smart financial decisions over the course of you oh, know but they two presidents the,
4: they got the 80 million dollar lap pool for the students or whatever the lazy river, lazy river. a few years ago yeah the 80 the ta- million dollar lazy taxpayer, river
1: off the taxpayer right yeah I mean, but I'm he's mad maybe-
4: because he thinks falsely that we get 12 million a year and we're not self sufficient okay maybe we can Who's get
1: the talking? raccoon maybe we can get the raccoon to fall in that pool <laughs> rather than in the cafeteria that might be a step above
3: well, and one other thing I want to say, one more thing, is is they talk about how, uh, you know, the, the loyalty factor. I, I was reading their their one of their message boards the other night because, of course, Sunday night they were still talking about us. And one of their fans I, – and I, I kid you not – one of their fans was debating one of our fans, basically stating that uh, because they are the state school – that in athletics, you should put more emphasis in rooting for them than the school that you attended. In other words, because LSU is a state school, you should support LSU over UL because LSU represents Louisiana and UL only represents Lafayette. So basically, put your allegiance to them over you. And I'm like – I'm reading this and I'm like, did some of these people actually believe this? Like entitled to – Yes, they to, do. They've yes. been brainwashed the yes. to think over that. The,
1: but that's uh, why – that's why the name change is so important to them. That's why that brand is so important because they want to be able to say, oh, you're just a directional school. You only represent Lafayette, Acadiana, whatever. We're LSU. We support. We're the ones that really show what the nation, what, what Louisiana is about. Little brother. Yeah, that, that's what that's all about, Jerry. And, <laughs> oh, it is, dude. It, it, it's ridiculous. Look, if if LSU was 6-6, six and six, you know, 8 out of 10 years, I bet you they wouldn't be saying that. But because it's easy mm. to say, well, we're successful in this, that, and the other, it's just easy for them to be able to say it. It gives them fodder. And- They're
4: not saying it against Nichols. Again, it's it's crickets this morning on Nichols. There's yeah. no debate about their name. There's no debate about it's their World Series. There's none of that. No. In fact, it just- it's,
3: it's more like, oh, congrats. those guys played well, made some great defensive plays. Yeah, and, and again, it's because the difference between our fans and other in-state school fans that aren't named LSU, we don't bend the knee. We don't kiss the ring. And I hate to say it to their fan base, but we never will. No, nope. we never will. And 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 so you can keep ranting, you can keep complaining, you can keep saying we're mean and how we're we're so unbearable. Like I just I love that because you know, of course, all their fans are angels, they would never Talk trash to other schools or anything. They're, we got you know, we it's, got it's,
4: people it's us, quitting you know? Twitter and we got people getting <laughs> getting kicked off of Twitter last people week. So are you in, want to talk about our
1: fans? People are <laughs> in. Yes, Nick yes! DMs uh, threatening to beat him up and stuff. Uh, no, I know. Yeah, Nick gets them, a threat.
3: Dude. Nick 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 gets a physical threat. You have another another uh, Twitter uh, fan that basically had to shut down their their account because they embarrassed themselves with saying something totally ridiculous about our one of about Coach show, which was totally out of line. You've got another fan that basically started. Making sexual innuendos to where their 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 account got banned over a
4: midweek game. Over a midweek game. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've never seen our point. Other every other school is looking at this, going, "What is
3: wrong with these people?" I've never seen our fans get kicked off of Twitter and have to shut out Twitter accounts for losing midweek games. I mean, good god. Ah, I don't know. Man. Let me, it, let me,
1: let me wrap it it's, up. We, it's hilarious. We went Spitfire just, for a minute, but it was definitely warranted. I just want to let everybody know if you're a UL LSU fan on the, on the fence or whatever, you need to understand that no matter what these people really say, what they, do in, what they do in private and the way that they act tells you who they are. They really do hate us. They really do hate UL fans and the way that we try to do better for ourselves. They cannot stand it, okay? So if you're looking for an allegiance, do the right thing. They actively have tried to suppress us for as long as – any of us have been alive 80, 100 years. Oh, no, that's further, a conspiracy. Well, that's it's a not a conspiracy. We can prove you're it. It's not real. We can Digging up bodies and
3: stuff now. We can prove it. You want to dig up bodies of Huey Long.
1: Yeah. How can you actively root for an institution that tries to kill what you're trying to do? That's all I'm going to say. If you're a UL fan, a UL grad, a Lafayette resident, whatever, please keep that in mind the next time you want to put on your purple and gold and scream STTDB. And okay, we don't just, wanna we
4: don't wanna dig up bodies of Huey Long, but we do wanna point out how that institution has held every other institution in the state down for the right. better part of a hundred years. And Andrew uh commented, you know, is there a public file? I think we should I know you and I, Josh, kind of joked around about having maybe a three part podcast separately just about this. So maybe that is something that we look into because I think it would be interesting if if anything.
1: Good off season comment uh content. Well, the, I think the greatest- you're right about that.
3: The greatest thing that could have happened was now you have the UL and LSU system that are separated. So basically, neither can interfere with the other. So that's actually helped us in many ways. But I guarantee you, there were probably some legislators back in the day that were opposed to that for that reason. They are you wanted kidding to monopolize the, the, the school system.
4: Jerry, start, start um, looking at the fact that the University of Louisiana system is not allowed to have a flagship university. Who I know. Do you think, who do you think does that's for a, that?
3: Well, they nicknamed it the LSU rule. On, yeah, on being exactly, calls. I mean, the fact it's that they literally the LSU the, rule, they nicknamed this the rule after that school. That should tell you all you need to know. But we don't, they don't interfere, they don't interfere. They, they it, you're just making I it can't all up. I understand so, why they
4: don't like us. Little oh. brother, U L L, Ooh la la.
3: Yeah, know your place, know your place. You're <laughs> but I don't. They're crazy. Brother, why do don't they go? like us? I don't, I don't get it. Like us? Oh, you're Ooh la la. You're little brother. Know your place, know your place. Let I me, gotta come. Let Twitter me stab you in the gut
4: and then ask you why it hurts. <laughs>
1: yeah. Why don't I don't why get it? I don't know why they don't like us. You know. Yeah. So look, we'll do more content on as the season winds down. We'll do more content on that because now that all this has kind of been brought back up to the surface, like it seems to be every year. We're going to get more in-depth to it because what we just talked about for the last 30 minutes, is just it's it's just the tip of the freaking iceberg. Uh, but I thought it was important because in a midweek game, they lost their damn minds and all their media people went berserk. So I thought it was something to talk about. Anyway, after that, we have a little break and then we go to JMU. All of us thought that JMU would be one of those series that we can tune up before we start hosting Coastal and going to USM. And JMU looked like a, a golden opportunity to get that that – That last 18 games of the season under our belt in in successful fashion. And what happened was not that. The opposite of that happened. Starting on Friday night where Cooper Rawls got the first start of his career on a Friday night. And all in all, I don't think he necessarily pitched that badly. I told Jerry there was a couple of seeing-eye singles that got through that were tough luck. I mean, we had guys in position. The ball just found its way. Uh, Truly... He did finish the game at LSU with some high stress pitches. So you can make the argument that he went on three days rest. Maybe that's part of the equation. Uh, I saw a lot of people that actually agree with that take, but he still didn't pitch poorly. JMU, you got to give him credit. They played well on Friday. Uh, the, the offense made a very valiant comeback. Connor Higgs continues to hit the ball. Max Marshok is now on a 10 game hitting streak. And uh, then Julian Brock hit the big shot in the top of the ninth to go up eight to seven after the Cajuns clawed their way back from four to nothing. Then the shenanigans happened on the mound on, on uh, in the bottom of the ninth, and that's where I want to start because everybody pretty much knows what happened before that. The offense showed up late, but it did end up showing up. Julian hits the big bomb in the ninth. Here comes the ninth. We put in our former clo- uh, oh, uh, excuse me, Friday night starter in Jake Hammond, who, let's be honest, he didn't really have it. Uh, wasn't close with any of the pitches. Degg said earlier in that week that he had a groin injury, so I was surprised to see him even on the mound. He lasted one hitter. We can talk about that because that in and of itself seems like a bad decision. Then you go to Blake Marshall, who previously was your closer, had a lot of success, did have a rough outing against South Al where he walked the bases loaded. We ended up losing the game in large part because of it. And we we haven't seen a lot of Blake since then. Um, Is he being sent a message? I don't know. But that's something to consider. He comes in for – he comes in – for an out, well, for a batter, he walks him. There's their catcher, Shayon uh, veyon No, that was the guy I kept calling Will Veyon veyon That's what's sticking out of my mind. Shoney, Shoney, uh, their catcher, who I thought was actually pretty good for JMU. He already had three walk off hits for JMU this season. I wasn't necessarily upset with Blake walking him with first base open right there. I don't know. I I, I still can't make I can't make sense of pulling him right there. I, I give Marshall another at bat. I just do. I give him another hitter, and then of course you pull him for a contact hitter and JT Etheridge, who hadn't seen the mound in a while. He throws a ball up to a pinch hitter, freshman, and he hits the ball out of the ballpark for a three-run homer, and the Cajuns lose. The Cajuns lose ten to eight. So many things to work through there. I'll leave it up to you guys, Nick. We'll start with you. Thoughts on any of the things I made mention of or if you have something else that you wanted to bring up.
4: Well, I think um I think had we not, you know, pitched our Friday night starter versus the team across the basin, we wouldn't be in this right? Is that what they said we started our start our Friday night guy? Well, he was um, the best yeah, pitcher yeah. we have apparently. Best so. pitcher we have apparently. Who
3: who by, oh, who by the way was made his first start on We 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 saved him up until that game for all season, you know. Right. He hadn't started all year so we we, we waited. Of course, he was so great.
4: Yeah, um, but but look, you've got to be tougher in that situation when you have the opportunity not only to come back. You would think that the team, you you work so hard offensively to get back into the game, and then you're bringing guys who have typically been reliable. Again, Jake has had a little has has gotten off to some rough starts. Blake has to me he's your closer. You should be able to depend on him to come in and shut the door, and and you just. You, you just throw a fat one down the plate and let the guy take it for a ride. I, I'm not as disappointed as I alluded to earlier. in the fact that we lost this game because it was, it was a a breakdown of pitching for, for all intents and purposes. I think it's just, again, how we responded the rest of the weekend. That was more concerning. Second thing that's concerning is the fact that we can't win on Friday nights. Now, all of a sudden we cannot win a Friday night ball game. and, you were such so behind the eight ball when you lose that first game, and now first it was concerning, and now it's a trend. Now it's happening over and over and over again. So we have got to figure that out, and we'll talk about the pitching situation going forward. Um, doesn't I? I, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But again, it's not the fact that we lost; it's how we number one how we lost, and two how we responded the following day, which was we just didn't. We just didn't respond. We just showed up and and went through the motions.
3: Yeah, I, I think what was more of a mystery to me was the fact that on Friday night, you put your Friday night guy in who you sat down because he was hurt to pitch to one guy and then you take him out. So I don't know if it was the fact that he walked the guy and you didn't trust that he could do it again or it was just a matchup thing. But I, I thought that was – as a as a fan, I thought that was strange. Um, you know, if you're not starting them, but you're going to pitch them for one batter in the ninth to close it out. Uh, then with Blake, Blake is your closer. I mean, he's kind of the unofficial closer, and you took him out after walking somebody. Um, but then you put in Etheridge, which – up until that point, the last time he had pitched was 17 days before against Tulane. He pitched two innings on that Tuesday night game. And then he pitched uh one third of an inning against Southeastern and they took him out. I think it was for a matchup. So he really had seen a total oh, he came in and walked of a Well, he, he'd seen a total of two 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 and a third innings for the last almost two and a half weeks. And you put him in at a crucial time where you have men on men on first and second base. In a, in a in a in a crucial game, I mean that was that was weird to me. I mean I thought there were other options you could have put in, and nothing against JT. Look, when 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 JMU hit the walk off home run, I didn't put that on Etheridge. I put that on the coaching staff. I mean you you Agree basically you 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 put him in a lose lose predicament because he he hadn't seen the field that much, and you're expecting him. And I know they keep saying oh you got to get one out, but he was I don't know if he was really prepared for that. And you know and and so that whole ninth inning. Rotation was just strange. It was weird. I, I would have probably preferred just letting Marshall go before Jake. I, like I, I don't know why Jake even saw the field that night, especially if he was hurt. Um. So I no, that was just I, I thought there's moments when we always say coaches out coach themselves. There's so much truth to that. Uh, Friday night I thought the coaching staff out themselves with that ninth inning pitching rotation because it ended up. It haunted us, and it ended up biting us in the behind. We lost the game on a walk-off. So sometimes they overthink. I thought they really – they did overthink in that moment. Got a loss from it.
1: Sometimes – we're not coaches, but sometimes we as fans are bewildered because it's a bewildering thing. Do you not think the pitchers don't know what the hell's going on if we can't have some sort of rhyme or reason in our own brain? I mean, again, we're not coaches, but we've been watching the game a long time, and we watched one of the best to ever do it manage a pitching staff. The way that this is going down doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and I'll wait till we get to pitching to get further into it. But, but- I think
4: Josh, we were talking about softball earlier and how the difference is of how we resp- how they responded Saturday and Sunday versus how baseball responded. I think it goes back to that a little bit. On they know their role, they know what to expect. You know, kind of like when we would come in and we knew who Friday, Saturday, Sunday were going to be every single weekend, and we're still more than halfway through the season. Now I will say. This is Deg's M.O. going back to Sam Houston. This is how he coaches. Uh, But to be in the position we are over midway through the season is a little concerning because it feels like we're regressing. We're not progressing like we did last season.
1: Yeah, I think it's more than a little concerning. And speaking of that, let's get into Saturday for JMU. Cajuns lose 9-4. to Do we have to? Yeah, I mean, we have to. Or not? <laughs> excuse me. We lost thirteen to two on Saturday. I apologize. Yeah, have. I was gonna
4: say it was nine to four. We uh.
1: the, 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 my, there's a lot of things that went wrong here. Obviously, the offense didn't show up like you expected it to. The guy they started at like a seven ERA certainly wasn't dominant in in conference. Um, I I was mostly, I'll just say it. You know, I'm I'll, I'll say it. It felt like they mailed it in with Wilkerson, and this is no shot at Wilkerson. But I don't think anybody can make the argument that Landry Wilkerson is one of our best 10 pitchers. I mean, he's a, he's a two-way guy, but the majority of his time as a Raging Cajun this year has been in left field, hitting the baseball, pinch hitting. And I know he had one or two, maybe two appearances before, and he pitched okay, but it was in junk time against, you know, in a midweek game, I think it was against um, Grambling that he got some some innings. And I might be wrong on that, but it was something like that. You put him in, you know, and he did okay. He ended up getting roughed up towards the end, but before that, you you let you let Jackson uh, Nezu go and just get, he gets absolutely destroyed. Gives up seven runs. Um, I don't know if you're trying to shorten the bullpen or what. What the hell you're doing there? But he, you let him go out for the top of the next inning, and he gives he immediately gives up a home run that was not missed at all. Totally tattooed. What is the thinking here? Is that another message being sent? You know, I made the comment on on. Something I think maybe I was talking to Dave, but you know, Seth Thibodeau was was tasked with going to find a pitcher this past season. Uh, Top tells the story that they ran into each other in an airport. I think it was Vegas, and he says, "You know, Tib, where you going?" He said, "I'm going to the Cape to find me a pitcher. I need a starting pitcher." You know, we come back with a guy with a five and a half ERA to be a Saturday night guy. Look, if you make it to the Cape, you can pitch. I mean, that, that's the best pitchers that that college baseball has to offer every summer. It's a wooden bat league, and the guy gave up five and a half runs. Uh, I mean, his average, his ERA was five and a half during his 17 innings, I think, in the Cape. I'm I'm concerned about that little thing. Again, Jackson's a good dude. This is not against him. He has a certain style of pitching. I think that he needs to be utilized differently, but that's a whole other conversation. Is that what we went to the Cape to find? Is that now our new target recruit? Hogan Harris and Gunnar Leje and Nick Lee and all these guys are a long time ago. And I understand that we don't develop pitching the way we used to do, and we have shifted in the way that we develop hitters because that's more of an emphasis with this coaching staff. I understand that.
4: But what are we recruiting? Is that what we're still, recruiting? You still, like, so if, if, we're, if we're showing that we are pitching, that we have a focus on pitching, and that we can develop pitchers, then I think I'm okay with having the guy with the five from the Cape because there's something you see in him, right? So there's something you see in the guy that you think you can bring him down here and develop him into the pitcher that you need. And there's something that's missing there because it seems like we're getting guys like a Jackson who we see something in. Obviously, there's something there that they like about him. And then we bring him here and we hang him out to dry against James Madison. There's, I mean, has there not been any development like, how are we developing these guys that we get? I guess is a question that I have because stats are sexy, but in this case, like you said, five ERA, uh, you know, why did we recruit this guy? Oh, well, you trust that this pitching staff see something and they'll do something with it and they'll make him what they need him to be and mold him into that role. I just see that from my perspective right now, we're just throwing people on the rolls, crossing our fingers and hoping they make it. That, that just think- seems kind of what we're doing right now. Well, well to, to, quickly,
1: Nick, I'm sorry, Jerry, before you go, I just wanted to say, talking about development, five and a half ERA in the Cape, 8.1 here. And that's with an eight out, uh, I think it was eight innings complete game shutout against a conference mate. Where, where, where's the development? Now, you leave him out to dry and gives up seven runs and it comes back in and gives up the bomb. And, you know, I think all of those runs were earned. That's a tough night. That's a tough day at the office. So that's going to hurt the ERA. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but- we,
4: we gave up 30... 30- Earned runs this weekend.
1: Well, Dick said it was a hitter's park. One of the teams showed up to hit.
4: <laughs> yeah, good point.
1: Well, I mean, you talk about also Jackson's a prime
3: example, right? Jackson, you go, we found him in the Cape, right? Um, he was a Florida State transfer. So you look at a guy like Blake McGee, you look at a guy like Jackson Nezu, and you see one was from Ole Miss, who they're the defending national champions. Another one was from Florida State, who is an Omaha resident. They, they go to Omaha a lot, many times. So you have two prestigious programs that recruited both of these pitchers. And so we're talking about Jackson, right? Obviously, Florida State saw something in Nezu. To recruit them, to put them on the roster, they saw something in Nezu. I think the biggest issue that we have, and not just with Jackson, but any of our pitchers, especially those who have transferred from bigger programs, is that those programs obviously recruited them for a reason because they saw potential in them and they figured they can develop them. What we're lacking in right now is developing these pitchers in a way to show everybody why schools like Florida State and Ole Miss recruited them. That's what we're missing. And I don't know what it would take to do that. It's late in the year. I I think it might be too late to do that right now. But if you're going to bring in somebody who's a transfer from a school like Ole Miss or Florida State – they obviously have a potential and they obviously have enough talent to be able to make a name for themselves here. The problem that I'm seeing and the 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 concern that I have is six or seven years ago, you can get away with coming to the Sun Belt in any school and having a sub three to four ERA and, and pitch well. This conference is not what it was five or six years ago. You have Old Dominion that's here now. You have Coastal that's dominant right now. You've got Southern Miss. That's dominant. You've, you still got the Cajuns. You got South Alabama, even though they're having a down year, they're usually really good. You have a lot more teams now that can hit the ball. I mean, this is a hitters conference. I mean, that that's really, that's the Texas state. Another example, this is a hitters conference. You have to find pitchers that can develop. So that's one of the biggest issues we face right now with our pitching as a whole is finding a pitcher, regardless of if they come from a big school or not and see, okay, What can I get out of him that proves why he was recruited by that bigger school? And we just don't have it right now. I'm not seeing it. I mean, like you said, ERA of 8.1. I mean, and you're, and you're a weekend starter and that's not just him. It's, it's everybody. And you're playing in a conference with teams I can hit. That's a recipe for disaster to the point where coach Deggs basically said in the press conference, you know, unofficially we need our team. We need, we need to score 10 or more runs. I mean, You can't – I just don't think you can win like that. Tony Robichaux used to say you can't hit your way to Omaha. You're not going to be able to win in this league attempting to score 10 runs a game. You just can't do it. You got to pitch.
1: I agree 100%. I mean, we've we've given up runs to bad teams. We've given up runs – High Point has 11 or
3: 12 wins on the season. Southern. You gave up five runs to Southern by two of our relievers who are one of the more dependable guys on our rotation last night. And I was talking to somebody – last night about it and they were like well we still won the game i said but yeah but you gave up five runs to a southern team that has 13 wins on the year and the guy who stuck it up lsu's butt a couple days ago gave up
4: what three runs three runs and hit two guys well, he, he hit was, two all, batters, over, back to he back. was all over so, the place so That's that the goes issue. back. that goes exactly that goes back to the consistency we mm-hmm. don't know what to expect from anyone on this team hitting or pitching wise at any game this season going forward it, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know if we're going to come bring the bats. You don't know if we're going to play small ball. You don't know if we're going to execute. There's a lack of consistency in execution. That is what I've seen to this point this season.
1: And on the same, was, in the same note, Blake McGee on Sunday comes up, you know, we thought we saw something in him. I know Jerry was very high on Blake and um, mm-hmm. I don't know what went wrong, but he got tattooed early. Have to start backfilling that with bullpen guys and, I, you know, I really don't know what the answer is at that point. You, you can't you can't muster a good performance. You can't get some energy together to try to steal one on getaway day. Uh, look, that's a hitter's ballpark, and, and Matt Degg said it. You, you're telling me that he, he said it's baseball, and I hate that at this point. It's not baseball, dude. I know we hit some balls hard and it went right at people. I understand that. But you can't find a guy to find the strike zone regularly that you can rely on. That's not baseball. That's bad pitching. It's bad pitching management. And that's our next topic, and we'll get into it. I, I know I keep alluding to it. It's just a topic of conversation. Uh, but I did want to get through the games before we got into pitching. You go out, you lose 9-4. to I mean, you, I mean, Julian Brock had a decent weekend. JT had a decent weekend. There's a couple of singular guys. You know, Max Marshock has now, I think, an 11-game hitting streak. Um, there's a couple of singular guys that showed up. Higgs had a nice weekend. You can hang your hat on those type of things, and there, there are some encouraging things. The fact that they couldn't muster a better performance on Saturday and Sunday is very alarming against a team that they are most definitely better than. Well, I used the prime
3: example um, I was talking to. I was actually talking to a good friend of mine who is an alum and a fan of the school across the basin, and they're going through the same thing right now. They hit the ball very well, but when when but outside of that Friday guy they have, they can't pitch. I mean, they're average. So I was explaining to them, I said, what's going to happen if you know, one day your bats are cold, like their bats are cold against us, we beat them. It's the same thing for us. I mean, if you you know you're expecting your hitters to go score ten to twelve runs a game, there's going to be days where they're not going to be able to do that. They're going to be off, and you saw that on Saturday and Sunday the bats weren't on. So what happened? You gave up nine and thirty nine runs and thirteen runs simultaneously or back to back consecutively, and you 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 got swept. So I I'm one of those fans that likes to have like everybody talks about the Sun Belt. Like we said, it's a hitting it's a hitters conference. But the importance of pitching in a hitters conference gives you such a competitive advantage if you have good pitching that you've seen the top two teams in the conference and what they're capable of. I mean, Coastal Carolina is really on the verge of possibly being a national seed. If you can get a competitive advantage with your pitching with the bats that we have and you win those games, you're supposed to win. I mean, look, I got data right here. I've got right here. We've got and Josh, we've talked about this. South Alabama, App State, JMU, Troy, Southeastern, Rice, and almost Tulane. That's six losses right there because of because of of, of bad pitching. Six losses. High point. So instead of
1: you got to put high point in there,
3: or, well, well, high point, but we we only scored one run, so I, the bats didn't didn't perform that day. So uh, I'm going to a good
1: point. It's a good point. I'm going to give
3: them the benefit of the doubt on that because the bats didn't perform. But South Alabama, you scored eleven runs, you still lost. You were up by five in the eighth. App State, you lost three to two, but you walked two batters home. Uh JMU, you're up eight to seven in the in the in the ninth. Should have won that game. Troy, you lost nine to six, but you 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 had you gave away 15 free 15 bases. 15
1: free bases.
3: Four of those five runs were off those free bases. Southeastern, you lose the game five to four. You walk, I think you hit six or seven guys, and three of those, I think like three of those runs were unearned from hit batters.
1: Well, it was fifteen also. It was fifteen that Wednesday and then fifteen on the Friday. And then Rice,
3: you 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 blow a five nothing lead and you lose. So one two three four five six. If you have average pitching or mediocre pitching that game, instead of sitting at twenty seven and fifteen, you're sitting at thirty three and nine with an RPI somewhere in the thirties with a chance at an at large. That's the difference. That's that is that is why it's so crucial. You know, you got people out there. Oh, we're still twenty seven and fifteen and everything's fine. But if you would just take average pitching in those games where they we we could have won. You're having a totally different conversation of us saying, "Well, I don't, you know." Now we got fans talking about whether or not we can uh, make the tournament because uh, the the hard part of the schedule is coming up. So that's that's the difference. It's not that we're complaining. It's not that we're not satisfied with you know the baseball team's terrible. No, it's just we've given so many blown up. We've we've committed so many blown opportunities that the pathway to getting to where we want to go, we made it a lot more difficult for ourselves to do that. Which is why this week. Coach Deggs is basically Johnny Holstaffing the pitching, the pitching rotation. I mean, when was the last time we've ever had this late in the season a Johnny Holstaff situation for not just the midweek but the weekend against possibly one of the best teams that have come to the teak since Ole Miss? Last year. I mean and Jerry we by didn't the Johnny way, Holstaff. We didn't Johnny Holstaff last year in the weekend rotation.
1: Dude, we started three relievers pretty much the entire second half of the season. And then we had to piecemeal the bullpen between.
3: Yeah, but 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 the difference was you knew when those relievers were starting. Basically, Coach Deggs came out the other day and was like, we're just going to pitch this guy, this inning, this guy, that inning. We're just going to see where it goes. I mean, we don't know who's starting on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday against Coastal. I mean, I don't, unless y'all know something I don't know. Basically, we're going to, like last night against Southern, we started Cooper Rawls, who started the Friday way, night. By the way, I mean, he,
1: didn't, he didn't know he was starting until the lineup came out. I, I found that out this morning so
3: so yeah i mean that that's a red flag i mean and everybody knows it i mean the coaches know what we we know it we've been i think what's frustrating
4: especially for josh is josh has been saying this i mean we we've seen it through the midpoint of the season and our record didn't necessarily i mean for us our record reflected that concern but you look at 23 and whatever nine and we're like or 25 and nine and we're like oh well you can't complain you're 25 and nine well yeah but we should be 30 and five. Like, you know, we there should we it's with all the with the, the teams that we should have beat, uh you you didn't I didn't have that warm and fuzzy.
3: You know, there was we, the, we didn't really play a tough schedule up to that point. It's the basketball mentality. And I hate to I hate I'm not trying to throw basketball on the oh, bus, I but for the last time. few years, I know un, for the last few years up until this year, when we had the year we had, that's what we would hear. Well, we won 19 or 20 games. Well, you play glorified high schools to win those games. And I hate to say it, but You look at our schedule, our baseball schedule this year. You want to compare last year to this year? I'm sorry. Like last year, you opened up the season against UC Irvine, who was ranked 14th in the country. You went to Round Rock, who, I mean, you played number four Stanford. You played number two Arkansas. You played a good Indiana team. I mean, you played some ranked opponents to start the season last year. This year, you play Rice, who's under 500. You play BYU, who's become a massive disappointment. You play High Point, who's who you should have swept. Bad. I mean. The the comparison of non conference last year to this year, there's no one. I mean, it would have been a crime not to have a lower ERA this year than last year going into the going into the conference season. So when people say we have a lower ERA, we walk less batters. Well, when you're playing high point instead of Arkansas, yeah, that that's going to show. But what has it really done for us is the question. Is the big picture um, strength of schedule is, is a really
1: hundred plus. Done? After playing Southern, it had dropped below 100. Now it's 100 plus after playing uh, uh, Southern last night. So yeah, there's a gigantic difference. Who you play matters. I'm, I'm sick and tired of people telling me it does. Look, it matters. It weathers you. It, that's why Tony did what he did with the schedule. Him and Bab did a great job of of really putting us in a position to play teams. It didn't matter if we got blown out in in the uh, Shriner's Classic. He didn't care about that. He wanted to play good teams. But I told you I came on here and I went on the board and said a month ago, yeah, we're twenty-five and seven, whatever the hell we were. We got to get better. We're not. We're not good. We're, we're we're good. We're not great. I said we're good. We're not great. Pitching and defense has to get better. Situational defense has to get better, which is what it has, by the way. And pitching has got to get better. And everybody wanted to holler at me about steals and the ERA and the conference and blah blah blah. Well, guess what? Look at where we are now. Okay, it was very obvious to anybody paying attention that the pitching staff. There was some bumps in the road that were coming. Look, you got Toit back, which is is good, and we'll roll, we'll roll. will roll in the pitching that now. Was huge. Well, you get Toit back, and he looked really good last night. So shout out to Dylan. I'm glad you know we need him. I mean, he could probably be the Friday night starter for for uh, Coastal this weekend, uh, based <laughs> on how he pitched. I mean, honestly, but I just don't like you know. Deggs gets into the the presser, and he says we're basically just going to. We're going to pitch our best guys more often, which means you're going to see Rawls for two innings, and then you're going to see Fluno for two innings, and then you're going to see whoever else is pitching well at the time for two innings. I maintain that the reason why the staff has not come together over the last three years, I'll go back three years, the reason why we can't seem to come together is nobody knows what the hell is going on. It's constant moving. You're constantly yanking them to do this role or that role. And I know Dex's answer would be, "Well, I need guys with rubber arms. I need guys that can perform in the field and at the plate and on the mound. I need them to be ready whenever their number's called." And to a certain degree, I understand that. But y'all have to understand who my uncle is, all right? I know pitching because I've been it's been shoved down my freaking throat for 35 years. You pitchers are creatures of a habit. They need regimen. That's what Tony preached. That's what Coach Jag preached. It mattered. This is why anybody who will sit down and talk pitching with you that specializes in pitching will give you the same talking points. You got to make sure that they're, you know, you got to make sure their ramp ups are correct. Or, you got to are correct. You got to make sure that they're doing the proper stretching before they go in. You know, somebody made a comment about who is who is coaching them down in the bullpen. And Nick, this is why I asked you about Chris uh, yesterday. What is their routine in the dugout? Or I'm sorry, in the bullpen now, because used to be Coach Dill would be out there coaching them up. Uh, I think Freeman would spend some time down there in years past, you know, I know that Dylan Toyt was out. actually one of the guys that was helping out in the bullpen over the last month, you know, six weeks since he's been injured. But there's got to be something, like there's some sort of preparation mechanism that is not there. Because guys come in and they look deer in the headlights, or they're not prepared, or there's just something off, okay? there's There's got to be a, a link between lack of regimen, lack of knowing what's going on, lack of a role, per se, and and the results that we're seeing. I think Moody is a great example of exactly what I'm saying. Moody came in. He was a starter at LSU. They recruited him to be a, a bullpen arm. He comes in. He tells Deggs he pre- he prefers to start. Deggs starts him. He has a couple of decent starts. Then he comes in against Arkansas State and gets slapped around. Now, look, he gave up four runs, which giving up four runs against JMU gives you a win. So, in retrospect, really not that awful of an outing, but Deggs blames it on tipping pitches. Okay, we hear that all the time now, it seems. But then you don't see Moody for a month. And then he comes in in a, in a, in a matchup situation out of the pin, and then he struggles. And then you don't see him for another month. And then he comes in into a, an important role, and I think he actually pitched pretty well his last outing before this one. Um, and, and he pitched okay on, what was that, Friday that he came in? Yeah, he did. He came in on Friday and he held down the fort against JMU. Uh, My point is, is that you're yanking these guys around and how can you possibly know if you're a regimented type of guy, regimented type of personality who is a pitcher and you don't know what to expect? How can you possibly expect cohesion in the pitching staff?
3: Well, it's like it's kind of like kickers in football. You know, there's a certain level of of mental preparation that you have to have. Uh, you know, we always joke about the kicker. You had one job, but a lot of times, what do you do when the game's on the line and your team is marching down the field? And the, you know, for a game-winning field goal, what what do people do on the sidelines? They let the kicker be by himself and think for himself because he has to mentally prepare. I see the same mindset with pitchers. Um, you know, they have their role, but a lot of times there has to be a little sense of consistency or preparation for them to be able to go in with a mindset when they step on the mound. And you know, now basically two things you're telling your pitchers. Number one, they're not getting it done. And number two is just all hands on deck. Be ready when you're ready. Well, if I'm a Friday or Saturday starter and all I know is my mindset is starting Friday or Saturday and preparing to start on Friday or Saturday. And then all of a sudden, like say, against Northwestern state, I go in in the sixth and pitch two thirds of an inning and get pulled because of matchups. I'm sure that's not really the, I'm sure there's no consistent mindset there. You know, I'm sure there's a little bit of confusion. And then I get called back on Sunday or Friday against Coastal. Oh, by the way, you're going to pitch. You're going to close, you know, all of that mumbling and, and moving around of, of rotation and pitching to me, I think it's more of a mental thing. I, I I think, Josh, you mentioned about the preparation physically and knowing how many pitches you're about to throw and all that. But I think it's a mental thing, too. I mean, you brought up Brendan Moody. I mean, he came in. He was a starter. Now he, you know. Sees the field every once in a while, but I can only imagine what that can do to the mentality of a pitcher a lot of times. And, you know, every pitcher's is different, man. I, I understand. And look, I love the fact that coach Deggs expects that sort of killer wolf pack mentality, but you know, some of these pitchers, I, I don't know if they have that. I don't know. I mean, based on their results, I don't know if they have that competitiveness in them. I mean, that's why I think it was crucial. And we've talked about this, like not having Bo bonds this year, that, that was such that was such a big difference. I mean, he's literally talking to himself as he's about to pitch, but it's the mentality of, all right, here we go, here we go. Come on now, come on now. Throw here's a fastball, here's a fastball. And he beat TCU in the regional doing that. You know, that's the mentality we need in these pitchers. And I just not to be negative, I don't know if we have that sort of, I'm gonna go on the mound and I'm gonna strike everybody out. I know Gunnar Leje had it. I know Tony used to mess with uh, you know, he used to joke at, at the at the diamond club lunches about Gunner. Gunner thought as a true freshman he was going to strike everybody out but that mentality is what carried gunner to become an all-american pitcher again i don't know if our pitchers have that attitude right now because if they did we wouldn't be playing johnny holstaff this late in the year
4: like i'm just gonna the only thing i'm gonna add to this conversation is we've had two different pitching coaches since 2019 and we still see the same thing happening where i I mean freaking bj was made 45 million dollars as a closer for the blue jays right So you, you had, and then Tibbs was a head coach at Nichols. So you have two guys that are respected in the baseball world and we're still seeing the same issues. So is it, is it a, to me, it's not necessarily a talent issue because it, we we're still doing the same things now. Now look, we had Aaron Getty, right? I mean that when you have a guy like that in your pitching staff, obviously you're going to get a bump, but yeah. Is it a system issue? Like the Wolfpack thing is great for hitters. Does that translate to pitchers? What's that, the that's philosophy? Question. Yeah. What's well, the well, what is the philosophy? You know,
1: right. you know, you don't treat a quarterback like you treat a, a middle linebacker. They're different. They're different animals, and you need them to be because I don't want you know I don't want uh, uh, some crazy person on the mound controlling the game for me. It's a different mentality. I don't think you can treat a pitcher like you can treat a catcher or you can treat a center fielder. I just that's my own opinion. It's a different mentality that's just my view so that, that's ahead, so
4: that that's the only point i wanted to make is that we see, we've seen these issues between two different pitching coaches that were re- well respected before they got here and while they're here so maybe it's time to take a look at you know what what is what are we doing that is not resonating with our staff right now what are we doing what are we do are we not developing them or are they not buying into this wolf pack mentality or are are they not liking the inconsistency of of knowing their role on the team because you can i i know position players don't like it when you when you pull them out of from shortstop because they they struck out twice and now you put another guy in there and now he takes your spot i can only assume for a pitcher like you said josh it's they're they're, i'm not going to say they're mental but it's very mental for them they have to get in a groove they have to get in that that headspace it's not as easy to pick up a bat and go out there you got to warm up you got to get into the the space So is that, is that translating to the pitching staff to me right now? It doesn't seem like it is. It seems like the guys are, don't know where they fit on, what their role they have on the team, other than I'm going to call on you at any time. And you better be ready for me. That would be a little daunting task for me. If I don't know when I'm starting, when to get ready, how do I prepare? What does my week look like as a pitcher? That, that can be a little bit concerning. I would only assume I've never pitched.
3: Well it goes back to the whole thing with JT Etheridge. I mean, you, he only made two really really short appearances in the last 3 weeks and then you go put him out there with two men on in the bottom of the ninth to close it out. I mean, and and he didn't, but again, I can't you can't blame that on JT. I mean, and and he'll he'll probably admit, I don't want to speak on behalf of him, but I'm sure he would say I was supposed to get the out. Well, you play so much musical chairs with the rotation that some pitchers are going out there going like I can try to do this, but then how, you know, again, the 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 be ready at any time mentality doesn't always carry water with every single pitcher. Every pitcher is different. So I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I'm not a coach, but at the same time, it has to get fixed. I mean, you can't Johnny Holstap this late in the year against the toughest part of your schedule. I mean, look at who we have ahead of us. You got the six-ranked coastal team coming to town. You've got uh, Texas State who can mash. You've got Southern Miss on the road to close the season out. Even ULM. I wouldn't sneak up. I mean, they'll sneak up on you too. You got to go to their place. They're going to have our name circled on their calendars. I mean, you still have a midweek game up in Ruston. You're playing some good hitting teams uh, coming up. And so that's just something that I don't know. Again, the solution, maybe maybe this may work. Maybe it may not. But going into next year, I mean, to me, this has to be the biggest approach. I mean, look, the bats are fine. I, I am, There's nothing wrong with the bats. But as far as pitching goes, to me in the offseason – this has to be a huge project moving forward getting this getting this ready because the conference is only getting better and the competition is only going to get stiffer
4: my mother has been watching baseball since she was probably 14 years old and she's 80 now because she'd watch my dad play semi-pro and all that good stuff and he coached and all this stuff and when you have her calling me after a game going well they they sure can't pitch anymore huh what happened you know they can they can hit the ball early, early in the game but as it gets later, you get worried because they're going to lose. When when she says that to me, then then you know there's a problem. Like I, then it confirms I'm not the only one who's thinking this. Like other people are thinking this too. So I, I don't feel like we're the only ones saying it. I think we may be the only ones saying it out loud.
1: Well, Brian Bitton's one of them that's starting to be a little bit vocal on what he thinks. And I think that some of it is. And you guys, anybody who's played, I don't know, through high school, you know, maybe even some travel ball and whatever there's a certain amount of status that comes with being a starting pitcher. And there's a certain amount of, you know, if you're a bullpen guy, you're a bullpen guy. It, people, It's a, it's not only a role on a team. It's a role in, uh, like, your social stir- circles, your friend groups or whatever. That whole I'm a starter thing, I think it wears on pitchers when they get yanked. And, you again, that's why I bring up Moody. When Moody goes to Deggs and says, I'm a starter, that tells you something when when uh, Hayden dirt goes to Deggs after he's been used in the bullpen after being a starter his whole life that tells you something I think that there's a little bit of that going on and and that's just my opinion and I'll leave it there to wrap it up I'll say this is a simple yes or no question do you guys agree with his new approach to the pitching staff going forward
4: I hate it but I don't think we have any other
3: choice no i no I don't like it but I mean at this point like Nick said what else do we do
1: I, I no, I don't like it, and I think it's ridiculous. I think you need to define roles, and that's that's just about it. Okay, we'll quickly touch on Southern before we move into Coastal. I mean, what can you say? I think it's a meaningless game that I hope, I wish we didn't have to play. They were a 262 RPI, not that RPI matters for us anymore, uh, but it does hurt the resume just playing against them. You go up nine zip on a couple. We had, I think it was the third inning, third or fourth inning, where we scored seven runs on several consecutive hits, so that was good to see. Uh, at the same time, it's Southern. I'm not going to get all excited about it. We did what we're supposed to do. And what we've done mostly uh, for the year, we bludgeon bad teams. Now they did, you know, they got, they nickel and dimed us for two uh, against Fluno. And then, like you mentioned earlier, Christie comes in and gives up three after he was a little bit erratic. Thoughts from Southern after a 10-5 victory at the team?
4: Yeah, they're not a great team. Um, and, and we should have, uh, I think we should have run-ruled them because we had the opportunity to, because we're up, what, 9-1. But instead, we let them creep back in. And I'm sure, look, we we did it against Grambling. We had the focus. We, We did what we were supposed to do against a team that we should dominate. And while we looked impressive at points during the game last night, again, the fact that Christie performed so well against a team across the basin Tuesday night, and then he comes up and gives up three runs against Southern, what what's the difference? What's missing? Is it the fact that he didn't know he was pitching until an inning before? Is it because he didn't have the focus? Because you know he he thought he'd be on the bench and wasn't ready to go?
1: Or is southern? Right. So and I'm not I'm not excusing it. I, no. I just as from a competitive comp, you know, uh, point of view, it's southern, and I I get that. I, I don't like it, but I get it.
4: So I, I guess that's that's the only takeaway for me. Is is let's see. I mean, we we play another midweek game tonight. Let's see what they do but again just uh, we we I don't think this team can take take for granted any team on the rest of their schedule based on that that how we have been playing on weekends so I don't care what the name across their chest is the rest of the season we have got to perform at, at a very high level we have got to execute and we have to consistently do that otherwise it's going to be an ugly rest of our season and that starts tonight
3: yeah, no doubt. Um, look, we won the game. That's great. You're back on. You're back in the win column. But you played no disrespect to Southern, but it's Southern. I mean, they like 13 and 21 going into the game. They weren't. The, they're not the usual Southern team we have faced. Uh, this should have been a game to me. Again, you're up nine nothing. You should have finished them off early on. Kind of like I think we did it with Grambling. We scored like seven or eight runs in an inning, and we run ruled them by the seventh. Uh, we didn't do that last night. If anything, we let them creep back with two relievers who we really rely on. Um, and so it, once again, the inconsistency of pitching creeps back in against a team that's not really that good. So I can only imagine playing a coastal playing Texas state, playing other teams that are even better. If we pitch like that, what's going to happen? You may see another GMU disaster. So that's a little concerning. I mean, you know, walking away, it's, you know, 10 to five. You hit the ball. We did hit well. I was glad that our, our starters in our lineup hit the ball well and got some timely hits, which was great. But again, pitching is concerning. Uh, even, even Matt Diggs, look, I, Coach Deggs said it after the game, I quote, we're going to keep working. You're thankful for the win, but we've got to improve our game. Any coach that's satisfied with mediocrity he ain't going to last too long in this business. I'm glad he said it. He said it out loud. He said, look, yeah, we won the game, but it, this ain't, this ain't going to cut it playing like this. And so, um, looking at his oh, – actually, Dave Schultz had a live um, film film the press conference or on-field press conference after the game, and one of the reporters had asked, but you scored seven runs in one of your innings. Does that satisfy – I mean, that you should be satisfied because, you know, you scored your seven runs, blah, blah, blah. And, and Coach Deggs goes, uh, well, that's the difference. I guess that's the difference between you and me. In other words, I'm still not satisfied. So that's good to see, um, but again, it's concerning when pitching – Basically picked up from where they left off, and they're giving up, you know, key hits and key runs in times when you should have put the game away. Uh, you know, if you're doing this against Southern, again, I can only imagine what could happen against better, much better competition, which we're going to see on our schedule consistently for the next month.
1: Yeah, and one thing about Deggs is he usually he usually does say the right thing, so you can't fault him for that. I'll tell you from for me as a fan, Southern doesn't matter. I don't care if we win or lose. Northwestern doesn't matter. Don't care if we win or lose. Uh, And then our last home game. So tonight is our last home game at the T against Northwestern. So if you guys want to get a midweek game, this is the last opportunity. But even when we go to tech, like that game does not matter. I mean, obviously bragging rights, of course, and I want to be able to look down at their fan base because it's fun and I hate Rustin. But other than that, the games really don't matter. And looking ahead, okay, you're going to host the number six team in the country, which by the way is the highest ranked conference team we've ever hosted at the T and I think it's the same. I think LSU came in as the number six team in the country a few years back. So it's a it's a historic game, but it's a historic series, which is more important. And you gotta get two of three. You you just have to, you know, and then you go on the road to ULM. And like Jerry said, you can say what you want about ULM. If we're down on our luck, we're ripe. And ULM will be licking their chops. So again, looking ahead, that's that's a competitive series in my view. Then we have to go to tech, like I mentioned. And then Texas State comes in. Now Texas State doesn't really concern me nearly as much as if we were on the road playing in the Cracker Jack Ballpark, where they just breathe on a ball and it flies out of the yard. But still, it's a Texas State team that has a lot of talent. They have underachieved to a certain degree, in my view. But it's still a good conference series, so we got to be on our toes for that. And you got to take two of three at least, and then you finish the season at Southern Miss at the Pete and Pete Taylor Park. We all know what uh, you know how that series has. Has, has evolved into a rivalry in pretty much every sport, but baseball in, in particular. Pete Taylor-Park is good to the, to the Golden Eagles. I mean, that's going to be one hell of a series. If you can get two or three from them, that's big time. So you're going to have to be on your toes at all points for the rest of the season. There is no time to relax. There is no time to take a week off, or excuse me, a game off, or try to figure out pitching, or, you know, shove somebody in the lineup that you thought maybe had a good batting practice. Don't get me started on that thing. Uh, because we do that. But that's what that those, those days are over. You want to do that in the midweek? I don't care. Win, lose, or draw, those games don't matter anymore. You got to get into a good seed in the league so that you can win the conference tournament to get into the dance. That is that that is the only thing left for us to do. And we've got three of our well, I mean not ULM, but ULM is still a threat. You have three of four conference series coming up in the next month, uh 14, 15 games. That you have to win. You have to win the majority of those games. And then you got think, Coastal. Coastal who who we're on the back end of really getting our asses beat by a team that's not as good as us. We're in shambles on the mound. And Coastal's coming here uh, literally has the offense of the school across the basin. And that's no joke. You can look at their at their numbers. They they hit the ball out of the park. They hit for power. They do everything. They small ball. They can hit one through nine.
4: I think the disappointing thing to me at this point of the season is we were in first place and controlled our destiny. And now we still, I guess do, but our destiny is going to have to go beat other teams in the tournament to get to the NCAA regional. We had, we had, I mean, again, you, you go on the road and you beat the number one team in the country. And now you're in conversations for an large because we're going to get three or four at large bids in the, in this conference. But now you're behind the eight ball. Now you're pressing. Now you're trying to get every win. To, to even potentially maybe somehow sneak your way in. But winning the tournament two years in a row. And from what we've seen so far this season. There's not a lot of confidence right now from my perspective. So we've got to turn it around sooner rather than later. And and I know you said your midweek doesn't count. For me it does. Because even though we're, we're looking like we're at the outside looking in for a regional berth. Well, you still got to, if you're going to have any chance, you can't drop to to, to Tech or, or Northwestern. I mean, last well, night, that me, would have been an even worse disaster.
1: Let, let me say this. If you sweep Coastal, then the Tech game matters. Because then you're talking about a conference RPI boost. Now, Agreed. it's it's at home, so you're not going to get the road boost that you would. But I still don't. I, I just don't think we're an at-large team.
3: Well, I think I think the importance of the midweek, like last night, what I was looking for, I knew we would win. I think every single one of our fans knew going into that Southern game that, or most of our fans knew that we would win. To me, it was looking at how well do we pitch, you know, the things that we lack or, or, or slacking off on, how how we're going to pick it up. Which I thought the bats did just that, but then again, the second half of the game we didn't pitch, and so that's where I look at the midweek of ways to uh, to improve certain aspects of of our team. Um, tonight, same thing against Northwestern State. Northwestern State's a, a better opponent. Than Southern and, and yet you don't want to overlook them because you just never know. They can come in and, and beat you. So we have to win those games, like you said, Nick, because of the you know, we talk about the RPI. Um, you still want to win those midweek games. But the tall task and the big um the big question mark is going to be this weekend. What do we do? Do we go in and win the series? Do they score 50 runs on us and get and sweep us at home? Do we somehow pull a crazy miracle and sweep them. That's we're going to find out and, and and it's going to, we're going to find out soon enough. So I still want to win tonight, beat Northwestern state, uh, build some confidence going into the weekend. And look, we've, we've gotten the better of coastal Carolina. We lead the all time series, but well, they're that, coming in, looking their chops. They're coming and, in, looking their chops
1: and baseball under t- Matt Deggs has, They've had a remarkable ability to bounce back from adversity. And so that's part of the story. And you and you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. Real quickly, give me your starting rotation Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go, Nick.
4: <laughs> um let's see. I I Fluno, Rawls, and uh, I don't know who's the third one. I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing out names because doing I doing honestly don't know. Who knows? I have no clue. <laughs> Sunday is definitely gonna be a, a free for all, so I have no idea.
1: I like it. What's your um, you do?
3: Oof, that's a tough one. See, I would have been more confident if we wouldn't have played so badly on the mound last weekend, but for standard purposes, I'd probably go, just because Cooper has experience on Friday, I'd probably go Cooper. I'd probably go McGee on Saturday, and I would probably either go by committee or rotate between Hammond and Nezu on Sunday.
1: Interesting. I like like Rawls on Friday. I want to give McGee another shot. And I'll put him on Saturday, and I want to see Brendan Moody get the start on Sunday. Of all the blowups, Brendan Moody has had one, and it was because he was tipping pitches. And if that's true, he deserves a start on a Sunday because he has but, really good stuff and it dives.
3: But now that you say that, what's going to happen is he's going to start against Northwestern State, and you know that that's totally going to go out. Well, the way just look—we got to do a segment.
1: <laughs> we got to do a segment on Twitter fights because. I throw out this bait, this bait and people they get so angry, which is hilarious. But I mean, I'm gonna holler about that. It makes no sense. Starting rolls yesterday. Sorry, I don't care if you went three outs, six outs, whatever. It makes absolutely no sense. I'm sorry. I'm just never ever gonna subscribe to that way of, of thinking. I just can't. Uh, we Nick, started I, our
3: ace against Southern. Ha 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 Everybody. Oh yeah. Lying. Well, that,
1: I can't believe we didn't see more of that in the uh, the old uh, purple and gold <laughs> timeline. Nick, I know you wanted to say something before we wrap up with sponsors, so floor is yours, sir.
4: Yeah, so wanted to um, to, to throw some news out there. Our boy Turbine, aka John, who started Rage and Review, uh, Rage and Review, Rage and Pageant. I always get those mixed up, but he started Rage too. and Pageant, the the message forum for Cajuns fans. Um, and this goes back to the Delphi forums back in in the nineties. Um, Turbine, whether you agree with what's said or how it's run or what's done on on the Rage and Pagin, uh site. Um i think it's a good platform for fans to to go invent and and give their thoughts on the program and stay kind of informed on what's going on. So I, I just got informed John had surgery last week because cancer sucks. And unfortunately, he's been affected uh by the big C. Uh however, he had surgery. Uh he's doing well and he starts chemotherapy this week. So um I think some of the fans, as we do in in Acadiana, we always rally behind our rally excuse me, the troops behind our own. And I, I'm certain that this won't be any different. So uh, more to come on that. I'm, I'm sure on Rage and Page, and there'll be a GoFundMe or something to help support John through this uh, this time. Because as I said, cancer sucks. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's some news I wanted to, to get out there today.
1: One thing I'm proud about uh, the following that we've created is that we are philanthropic. We give, I mean, Rage and Review gives to everything. And A lot of people that listen and follow and comment here and and go with us uh, do the same. So I feel good about what we can do for Turbine. He deserves it. Uh, Yeah, like you said, whether you agree on how he runs the board or not, you can't argue with the longevity and how much traffic it gets and how how important it is to Raging Cajun Athletics, honestly, uh, to connect fans and do what it can.
3: You know, uh, I've known Turbine for years. Um, what he's been able to do to get Cajun fans to discuss uh, Cajun athletics, whether you love it or not, is huge. Um, it gives us a platform to give our opinions. It gives us a platform to interact with other fans and actually befriend. I mean, Josh, I met you through Cajun Pajun. I mean, ironically, uh, and so um, you know, we we all, like you said, the C word is not fun. And um, and and we we our thoughts and prayers are with John, and hope that he makes a good, solid recovery and continues to be the the fan that he is and the person that he is. And so uh, Rage Review wishes you well. Have uh, I know it's always a journey and a long trek to uh, to getting better, but we know you'll take it one step at a time. And, uh, John, just to let you know, buddy, we're with you.
1: And we'll do everything we can to support your mission to recovery and any financial uh, help that we can give. So shout out to Turbine. All right, everybody, listen, I want to give a big shout out to Gordon and Injury Attorneys, for sponsoring the Cracklin float at the parade on Sunday. It was a spectacular <laughs> hit, and uh, we had lots of vendors out there. Give them a call, 888-532-1573 or getgordon.com on the internet. Get Gordon and get it done. Thanks for the sponsorship of the Cracklin Floats. For the Boudin float, we had Darren Domingue of Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Did a great job, really put some creativity into their float. Uh, they were probably the most rowdy bunch, so we want to give them a shout-out. If you guys need anything done on your roof, give them a call today, 337-237-ROOF. That's 237-7663, or visit them, lafayette-roofing.com. Don't forget the dash. And then, of course, Patriot Steel Group were our great plate lunch sponsors for that float. Um, they were slinging po boys, red beans and rice, hitting people in the face. It was fantastic. Uh Reed Barbier. Brandon Gollett, waiting for your call, 337 443 9296, or you can get more information on the Patriot Steel Group LinkedIn page. Great sponsors of Raging Cajun Athletics, great sponsors of Raging Review. Thank you all for showing up and showing out at the parade. It was a hit. Cleanup was a little bit of a challenge, but we got through it. You know, you don't, it's not every day you win a midweek national championship, so we really had to put our heart and soul into that.
4: And How was about far- our grand marshal? Lynn Rollins hairpiece. <laughs> Lynn. Lynn
1: Rollins hairpiece did not make it out alive. I gotta be honest with you. There's a little and I bit gotta, of rain,
4: so that was a that was a concern.
3: I gotta tell you that that we beat LSU in the midweek statue looks great. Great job to the guys who put that together. Great sculptors. Um you know, I'm, I'm gonna. Whenever we play LSU every year, the school across the basin, I'll bring flowers to the statue to commemorate this massive, massive victory that we had last week.
1: I love um, that idea. Hey, by the way, we got the the shirts were given away in a matter of minutes. We're thinking about putting them on pre sale, so everybody be watching out for that link. We might sell some some more shirts <laughs> from the parade.
3: One more thing I want to make an announcement for. Um, There is a benefit at uh, Blackham Coliseum tomorrow night, April 20th, Thursday, April 27th uh, from 4 to 8 p.m. It's called the Finn Feather Fur Food Festival, benefiting people with ALS sponsored by Team Gleason. Um, If you, you know, if you're going to festival um, international and you want to stop in for some wild, some good, solid uh, cooking from fish or some game that you want to eat, uh, there is a cooking contest. Uh, Tickets are $40, and I believe they'll be auctioning off some Raging Cajun gear, if I'm not mistaken, maybe uh, autographed jerseys or autographed memorabilia. So um, stop in. It's for a good cause. Uh, We do have... Well, they will have some uh, some appearances by maybe some people from the UL Athletic Department or coaches and players and whatnot saying hello. So uh, before you head off to festival to listen to some good music, go stop in at Black and Coliseum for a good cause for to benefit uh, for those uh, with ALS. Also, everybody, Festival International this weekend, if you're going to the Teague and you want to go back and forth between festival, be aware of parking. And everybody, please be safe. Uh, It's going to be a fun weekend. Hopefully the weather stays away. So uh, baseball and festival should be a lot of fun. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you guys over there.
1: Festival season in South Louisiana. There's nothing like it. Listen to all the school across the basin fans are coping. Have a great week and enjoy that Nichols L uh, on top of the one that we gave you last week. Anyway, you guys take some time to subscribe, rate, and review the pod. Hit us up on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Pods, uh, iTunes, all that good stuff. Tell your friends. We're still out here doing it. To much chagrin of uh, Jordi Collada, Mark, Scar- uh, Mark Mike Scarborough, and all the rest of those clowns. It's been a great week. Thanks for joining. We'll see you after Coastal.